Hang on. Hang on. Halt. the new theme performed by the exquisite dead guys which is me on drums synths and lead vocals matt monta on guitar and vocals and jerome hemmersbach on guitar and vocals extra backup vocals by the rest of jerome's full-time band frank muffin that is Brittany rees hans rees and joe heeb hope you like it here's the episode Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I bought a very, very expensive plane ticket and flew to Dublin, Ireland, and uh, I'm sitting here in the same room, obviously, (laughs) with Gareth Lyons uh, to talk about the song I'm Impressed Off of the Else. Here we go. I love those drums. Perfect. Yeah. So Dublin, Ireland, a place I've never been. I've been to. Oh, really? I've been all over yeah. England, but I've told Cara, my wife, um, our band, Outdoor Valor. It was just the two of us for forever, and it made it pretty easy mm. to tour. We've only toured uh, America. We've done four tours, some bigger, some smaller. But I told her at some point in my life I will play in Ireland and Scotland specifically because um, pretty much all of my guitar influences and guitar tones are stolen from 80s and early 90s uk bands <laughs> right yeah yeah like if i were ranking bands i do have a very definitive top five bands and it's they might be giants the mountain goats uh jesus and mary chain okay uh-huh dinosaur jr and modest mouse so um and i've done a jesus and mary chain cover band called the poppy seeds which oh, that's was amazing. their original their original name before they landed on jesus and mary chain <laughs> Yeah, but let's not be too obvious about being junkies. <laughs>
Um, but it's just, they're so, so good. And their reunion record a few years ago was really good, too. I've heard one is coming out this year. But like the last reunion record, they teased it for like eight years before it actually came out. My Bloody Valentine does the same thing. They're like, we're going to have a new album this year. Six years later. Yeah. So I, I'm determined to play... Dublin. I want to play. Hell, I want to play Manchester. I love like all that mad, uh, mad yeah, yeah. Manchester scene stuff. We talked about Stone Roses. I love. Yeah, yeah I want to play Glasgow. I love Bell and Sebastian. Like all that. I love all that stuff. Like the twee stuff, the really loud stuff. Um, it's yeah. all very, very heavily influential on outdoor velour. And I mix that with U.S. specifically Motown and like Phil Spector girl group stuff, and that that's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the combination that I go for. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm determined. I told her. I said, "We're I mean we're a quintet now, and getting a five piece across uh, 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 the ocean would be harder." But oh, I'm Lord, like, we could go back Especially to with the kid and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we could be- go back to the duo days, do a little UK tour at some point before I die. I will play Scotland. I'm that is bucket list for me. Not just going, and I want to go. It would probably be like, you know, three quarters vacation and one quarter, you know, tour. But yeah, my wife's been to Ireland, not me. But that was that was when she was like thirteen or something. But she still talks about how beautiful it was. So um, Dublin, though, how big is Dublin? I mean, I mean, that's where like most of the people live in Ireland, right? Or am I wrong? Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean. Um I wouldn't know how big it is now. 1.361 million. Mmm, there you go. That sounds right. Let's go with that. And then how many people live in the the country? But, but, but. 4.8 million. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm from Galway originally, which is a west coast uh, town. And I moved to Dublin like about, a, I don't know, however many years ago now. Probably like nearly 10. And... Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess I sh- I've, I, you know, it's, I'm always, I'm even still kind of discovering new parts of Dublin because it is like, you know, it's as well, I don't know how, you know, big it is in comparison to most places, but it's definitely very varied. There's a lot of different, you know, you sure. could be walking for and end up in different areas that look like, you know, leafy places and then really kind of, you know, run down urban areas, oh, and, yeah. and, you know, just all over. So I, I love it. It's one of the best um but it's uh, for a lot of people outside of uh, Dublin. I I think that they have a you know a very difficult relationship with it sometimes. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like so. I I grew up in the Chicago, the greater Chicagoland area. Chicago proper is two point seven million, um, so not quite twice as big as as Dublin. But Dublin's a huge city. I mean, well, when I when I went to uh, in two thousand three, our um, symphonic band in, in college we did a england tour um and we played a couple places in london we played york we played um I'm, I'm blanking all of them but we did like six dates all over the place did a lot of sightseeing and stuff and when we were in london i mean that was like the biggest chunk of the like two-week tour and um we wanted to go see we're like we're gonna go see a london punk show and so nice. we get on the tube right Hmm. We queue up for the... I'm just trying to use as many British words that we don't use as possible. <laughs> um, and we minded the gap. 
And then uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, so we just, so we were talking to some locals um, near where we were staying, which was a you know a nicer area, not exactly a ritzy area. But then we 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 got on the subway and went to where this guy had told us was like the area where there's some like rock clubs and stuff. And we wandered around and were offered a lot of drugs and went into some interesting tour, some interesting stores, and. Never ended up really finding what we were looking for, but it was a very, I don't know what day of the week it was, but we ended up uh, having a pretty good experience that I feel like not many people in our, you know, fairly conservative um, Midwest American college really experienced. You know, we're like, we're going to go brave it out in the, and being from Chicago, I'm not scared of a big city. I'm not going to be an idiot and go to someplace really dangerous, but let's go exploring. That's the fun stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, get off the, the touristy shit and get into the real city. I was thinking about, um, you know, because you mentioned that about, like, you know, because obviously there was, like, a punk scene in Northern Ireland as well. That was pretty... Um, Stiff Little Fingers and, being, like, the biggest... Yeah. yeah the and, and also the Undertones, I believe. They were, they were from Northern Ireland, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I believe so. But then, yeah, so I heard... There used to be a scene in Dublin as well, but then um, I, was, I was in... There's, like, a museum which... I went to and was doing like a cultural thing about Dublin. But one of the things that it had was, um, you know, because of the kind of the the, the Catholic church influence, uh, I don't think anybody was allowed to, I don't think, I think alcohol wasn't allowed to be sold after like six o'clock or something ridiculous. Really? Or there was like the real limitation on what was, or I don't know what the rule was exactly, but essentially it meant that, um, instead of there being like, you know, pubs and clubs or like places where, you know, there'd be lots of alcohol and drinks and music, it meant that uh, the music places were kind of defined by the music they played. So there was like way more variety of places around Dublin as a result. Nice. Um, I mean, obviously it probably didn't stop people drinking and going in, but either way, like the... They, we call that, um, we call that pre-gaming. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just called pre-drinking over here, which, sure. I mean, sounds doesn't really make sense because you're drinking, so it can't be pre-drinking, you know? <laughs> but um, but they went, yeah, like the, um, I wonder, like, sometimes, you know, the, the sometimes wish you could go back to that almost, <laughs> where you have, like, different places where people are going because of the different music right. as opposed to, like, just drinking to, you know, because a lot of the times, like, you know, um, I, I wonder whether it created um, a lack of diversity in the music, but I don't mm. know. I could just not have my finger on the pulse the way that uh, a lot of other people do, because a lot of my friends are going to gigs, and uh, and um, there's there's definitely still um, like a punk scene around here. Yes. I just feel like maybe it's kind of more underground than it previously might have been sure. in the eighties or nineties. Uh, the, under, the undertones uh, formed in Derry. By the way, yeah, there you go. So yeah, speaking of gigs, uh, yeah, let's get into your fandom. Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen the Mappy Giants live? I have. I think I've seen like f five times. I think so. The first time I saw them, what happened is they were touring their kids' album, but they toured it in uh, London. So I flew over to London to see them play in the Royal Albert Hall, and uh, it was a really good gig. Uh, I mean, that guy. It was funny because like I knew him from his YouTube videos, but. I don't know if you've had him on Astral B, you know that guy? Yeah, that's Daryl. So he filmed that gig and he put it online as well. So I could see the gig as well when I got back to Ireland. 
Um, nice. but, uh, but yeah, then that happened. And um, yeah, but when they toured, like when they came to Ireland proper, then uh, they were touring Nanobots. And uh, I've, I really love Nanobots. Oh, yeah. An Hell amazing yeah. Album. Hell yeah. Nanobots. Yeah, it was such a, I think that really was, I think that came close to being my favorite one. But like, it would be my favorite one if kind of my favorite albums were, didn't have so much kind of memories tied to them. Do you know that one? Oh, Where that kind yeah. of affects oh, yeah. what your favorite one For is. Sure. So um, that was a really good album to hear them tour. And so That's great. Uh, they played in Vicker Street. And it was actually, but it was like, the thing about it is that like um it is quite a chat it's quite a a feat to be uh i'm gonna say this uh, you know uh, a feat to be a they might be giants fan in ireland because you really have to try right, you know? <laughs> right. Like, especially in the west of ireland like in galway it's like you know um, I kind of, it was only by chance that I kind of uh, came across the music of them. Like nobody recommended it to me. It just kind of came up as like a suggestion online or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I became kind of obsessed and it became hard to like um, hunt down the albums and stuff. But anyway, when I was in like uh, Dublin and we saw this gig in Vicker Street, like the entire audience was, was just made up of people who, kind of like that one song from flood and right. so they were all of like you know they were all like real like about I, I, you know basically they were all teenagers in uh, yeah so I, I wasn't a teenager in the uh 90s uh, i'm 29 so um yeah anyway whatever the point is um they they were they just kept yelling up stuff like play flood yeah play flood yeah and then they were just, and at one point, this person kept going, play Istanbul, play Istanbul. And then gonna play John, it. I mean, one of the Johns on. just, that's what he says. So and John Linnell just goes, no, he just goes, of course, we're going to play Istanbul. Please stop yelling it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> having to I scold like the really crowd. Embarrassed, yeah, you know? <laughs> seriously. So, hey, I've yeah, been looking so, at, uh, I've been looking at the UK dates to try to confirm some of your stuff. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the wiki. Uh, do you ever spend time on the uh, TMBW? oh yeah well that was the main go-to source for my team because the other thing i think the reason that they might be giants appealed to me is because i'm like i like i guess i'm like a big fan of canon and stuff like this so the idea of having a band that has its own kind of like like lore and eras and you're just kind of going through like all this data and it was like to go through like the the wiki that was like I just became this obsessive with all the details floating around. So yeah, that, no, the, yeah. The, 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 yeah. That might, you know, and I never thought about it that way, but that might have something to do with like, especially my top three bands. Cause like the mountain goats, there's a very extensive mountain goats wiki. Uh, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't look as pretty as this one, but it's just chock full of information. It's got guitar chords for stuff. Then the Jesus and Mary chain, I've never really looked for a wiki for them, but they've had yeah. such like an interesting history that that's part of what appeals to me these these bands that have been around a longer time yeah mm. yeah because all of them i mean jesus and mary chain aren't as active but they are technically still a band so all of them there's a lot of books about them as well and i mean they're interesting because they're brothers as well so right this is like the whole and it's kind of yeah. like that the uh the, the gallagher's thing where it's like they're fighting then yeah. they're not fighting you know there's a that interesting dynamic in the way that um and I and I'm repeating myself here from the, from Daryl's from Astral B's episode about how being a guy who's never used drugs, I still find something very um, 
I wouldn't say cool is not the right word. Using drugs is not cool, but there's something very interesting about them going on the dole. Like basically we'd call it welfare um, to just buy drugs and, and write psycho candy and record it in a fucking castle in Scotland. Like that is just like the coolest fucking thing. And then like over time, how their sound has changed, you know, then you got stuff with, with drum machine, which kind of links into they might be giants. You've got oh, you yeah. know, the lineup switching so much, like they might be giants. You've got them putting out these different albums, like you know, um, Stone into Throne, like a little more acoustic-y album. You've had mm. very controversial songs like uh, Reverence and all these ones about like basically bad mouthing, you know, Catholicism and stuff. So right. uh, uh, yeah, and then like the breakup and the reformation and all this. So there's there's those my top three bands. There's a lot to dig in with as far as mm. backing members the span of like the albums and the different sounds. This is a, a bit of an aside, but have you seen um, the strange powers, you know, that magnetic fields documentary? No, there's a magnetic fields documentary. Oh, it's way worth it. You got to look it up. It's, it's online. I think it's on to download, oh, but um, man. they, they follow the recording of distortion. Oh God. And uh, it's my favorite yeah. magnetic fields album. <laughs> But he's just like, he's like, he's talking about like, you know, the way he's like obsessed with like Fleetwood Mac and these type of bands, but he'll just be like, you know, he's like the greatest album and the most interesting album that's been recorded in the past 20 years was uh, Psycho Candy or something. So he was obsessed with that while he was recording Distortion. And they show him like using like, um, I don't know what the coin would be, but it looks like it's like a silver kind of thick coin. What would that, would that be a quarter, I suppose? Yeah. So then he'd be, he'd be playing a guitar with the quarter yeah. and this distortion. Yeah. Up. And um, I, you know, you see him and he's not covering his ears. And I always thought he had that ear issue. Yeah, he's always and said I that, wonder yeah. if I've always wondered whether uh, the distortion recording was the thing that exacerbated his ear condition or something. It's possible, <laughs> but from, from yeah. the footage they show, is he in the same room as the amp? I mean, it could be the amp is in... I guess so. Because when I when I record most of my guitars, unless I'm wanting to get feedback where you need to be close to the amp, I have like a vocal booth slash amp vault is what you'd call it. So you've got the amp in a room that has a lot of foam. You got the mic on it uh, up close. And then I can I can have the amp really loud, but put it at whatever moderate volume I want in my ears. So you can crank it crank it loud enough to get those tones that you want for like a psycho candy style guitar. Okay, right, right, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that loud. But we did see magnetic fields once uh, when we lived in Bloom- oh, Bloomington, incredible. Indiana, yeah. and it was at this really nice historic theater in Bloomington. And it was coming off of Realism, I think, because those were like the kind of paired albums, right? They did Distortion, and then they did um, Realism, which was more acoustic-based. Yeah. Um, And they played a lot of Distortion songs, but they played them quietly with no Distortion. And we were so disappointed. Very disappointed. Yeah, no, they played in the RDS here, and they were doing the 50-song memoir. And um, it was it was fucking great. He was playing it from start to finish. He did it over two nights, and I was kind of hesitant because I was like, 
like I hadn't really heard any of the album, so I was like, I don't know if I even want to go to this, but like, because I don't know, I'm kind of like, I don't like no not knowing the songs before I go in. Right, right, know? right. Um, and but anyway, it was absolutely incredible, and he like had this a wide arrangement of like live instruments and stuff, and then you'd be going to the album, it's like, wow, I must listen to that song. It sounds completely different, yeah. and like not. And it not not as good as the live show in some instances. Uh, it was actually funny as well. He lost his lost it with some guy, this person in the front row who had their phone out. Oh wow! He just like he like because he has like all of his kind of. I heard saw recordings of it, and uh, they have like he's like his pre-prepared stories and jokes, etc. But then anyway, like um, in that they had just started this, and the cellos were like kicking off or something, and he just put out his hand like really violently to stop the cello, oh. and he ran across the stage, oh. and he was like, "Put your phone away! Put your phone ah. away! Put your phone away! Please put your phone away!" Oh my god! And then he's and and it was just so. And then he sat back down, and it was like nothing had happened. He just started playing again. And I was like, I couldn't believe how somebody could get that wound up and just go back to normal. Well, <laughs> that I have to do that as a teacher, honestly, which yeah, is yeah. not so much getting wound up. It's that you, you put on a, a, a personality for a second that will snap someone out of whatever they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. For example, like a fifth grader, you know, doing whatever, like hitting their neighbor and uh and then you know you got because i that's that's kind of my personality as a teacher is that i'm just a goofy guy if you've listened to any episodes everyone knows that um and i love elementary school because the vibe is just fun you know and Yeah, yeah you're learning about music and you're having fun and i'm trying to get kids to love music so i'm a very positive guy but if someone is doing something wrong, be like, hey, knock it off. And then just yeah, go back yeah. to whatever. Like, and then that's because if you if you yell a lot, it has no. Um, completely, completely. And I, I think I'm going to get into that when we talk about the political angle. When you when everything you say, when everything you say is shouted, it, it just kind of becomes background noise. But if you if you talk in a whisper and then all of a sudden yell, it's like, oh my god, he's very serious about this. I will stop stop doing whatever I do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they might be giants. People that really like lyrics will love magnetic fields. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, he is like he is a unique um, character just overall. But also, uh, mainly, I think people would appreciate how. He, I mean, he approaches music from an emotional standpoint sometimes, but I mm-hmm. think he also approaches it from like a study, like he has studied songwriting to a degree that is just like, it's almost like a professor of songwriting. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like, sure. I feel like he could give master classes in songwriting, almost in like the traditional sense. Like if we're thinking of like New York City in, you know, the turn of the century, mm-hmm. all these people who are writing basically to sell sheet music for people to play on piano. I feel like he could have been very successful oh, in yeah, that yeah, yeah. scene as well, because this dude can make up rhymes like nobody's business. Like, yeah, yeah. And if you haven't heard it, my, um, uh, the covers album that, uh, outdoor velour put out last year, Oh, sweet. the, the second disc, the second disc, well, the first disc not only has it's, that one was like, I'll record as a chunk. We covered, they might be giants, Doctor Worm. We covered mm-hmm. the Mountain Goats dance music. We covered Jesus and Mary Chain, some candy talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second disc was collecting all the stuff we we'd done over the years, and just for fun, like not on an album, we covered uh, "Too Drunk to Dream." Oh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, the Magnetic Field song, and we made it uh, a country pastiche. That's great. So it's like a country western version. And it's also super fun singing that because I have never drank, not once. And I think it's just hilarious to uh, have me singing something like that. People who like uh, lyric 
lyrical mastery. You know, he's not at all coming from the same angle as they might be giants, really, much at all. But people will appreciate it a lot. One, two things um, to, like, obviously this day might be giants, so I don't want to go too much into it. But there's a Song Exploder episode with Stephen Merritt where he talks about writing Andrew and Drag, and it's amazing. Yes, I've heard that. Andrew and Drag is great. There is no hope of love for me. From here on, I'll go stag. The only girl I'll ever love is Andrew. There's not enough popular and canonical bands that feature um, gay frontmen or front women, and mm. that song and the video is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So good. And just hearing, you know, a guy openly singing about, um, you know, men and men he's interested in and yeah, yeah. drag shows and stuff he, like that. This is a very unique perspective. It, I mean, I wish it weren't so unique and that there were a lot more yeah. bands like that, but. Um, so that's that's another reason that it is one of the few songs where he uses like very direct pronouns as well because he's constantly oh, yeah. like shifting them to you know you know oh is it there's a song where is it there's a girl called Mike in one of the songs you know <laughs> like, yeah. stuff like this and it's like but uh, and then one of the last things as well just for your own uh, listening um, Advanced Bass did a uh, cover of um, what's the one. You know the one? It was like a, it was like a, I think it was an LP or something. I think it was called House of Tomorrow or something. Does that make sense? Anyway, he that did that and um, some incredible. Oh, and then on on Advanced Bass, he did an album about pets really? recently. But he did one, You and Me in the Moon. He did a cover of that, and it was fantastic. So that's way worth a listen. Yeah. I keep saying I've had this in front of me for like ten minutes, but the yeah, UK the UK, the UK dates in two thousand four. They played, they only played Manchester, Glasgow, Leeds, and London. Also, just I don't know if this is a thing, but um, uh, UK and Ireland are two different entities. What? Well, okay, UK- so that is very confusing <laughs> because I remember actually a couple of years ago being confused that someone. I don't know, there's something labeled as, like, the England, the flag of England, and I'm like, wait mm. a minute, growing up on the Who, I'm like, yes, exactly, oh, yeah. the British, you know, the that's the flag yeah. that, you know, red, white, and blue cross, crosses, you know, crisscross, whatever, mm. um, but the flag of England is actually white with a red cross, Yes, and exactly. the whole UK thing is confusing, and then you've got oh, Northern, yeah, no, I- Northern Ireland... Ireland and Northern yeah. Ireland, but I don't know. Explain it. I don't. Quick history. I don't then I mean, well, I think I believe that the Union Jack is a collection of all of their flags. So it's also like yes. the Scottish flag would be like layered on top of it. But um, and that, Wales, that is well, true because I because I looked into it after that confusion. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. But then, so yeah, the you know UK, United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland is um, you know. A really, really quick, uh, um, 
yeah, Ireland was occupied. A um, half hour later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact date, but essentially Ireland was occupied by the UK until like, you know, the, oh, this is so embarrassing. I don't know these dates. But either way, let's just say um, in this uh, treaty that was organized and basically set up the main political parties in Ireland um, and also started a civil war. Um Whew. Part of Ireland was made the Republic of Ireland, and one part that was majority Protestant at the time was made to be, um, um, yeah, it remained part of the United Kingdom. So that's uh, what's created a lot of um, issues. Obviously, the troubles created, you know, <laughs> the, with people oh, wanting unity. Religion. And then, Gotta and love then it. the late 90s, um, they, uh, the Good Friday Agreement basically resolved the conflict for the most part, and Brexit has kind of opened up those wounds again. Jesus um, Christ. You know, so there's a whole, it's a, you know, there's many disputed territories that the UK have that uh, create a bunch of issues and, you know, they... Uh, uh, probably stuff that some that I don't know, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole complicated mess. So it is that thing where it's like you don't want to be this person that goes well, actually. But then at the yeah. same time, it's like I feel for any uh, you know Irish people who'd be like you know gritting gritting their teeth, I'd be like, okay, I have to say something. You know? <laughs> so, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. So let's um, let's get into the song then, so we can really discuss how this song relates. Yeah, let's do that. If we're talking about politics. Yeah. Have, have we covered your your history with the, with the band enough though? We've been been on multiple tangents, but yeah, honestly, sorry. honestly, at this point, I've never had people complain about an episode being too long. People mm. will remark on how long an episode is. Like Daryl's mm. episode is two hours and twenty five minutes, and took the title for the longest episode away from mm. the James K. Polk episode, which was two hours and fifteen minutes. Oh, and wow. I've never had people complain about it. People can skip forward if they want, um, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, people seem to be interested in this stuff because they might be Giants fans are usually pretty open to hearing new bands. That was definitely what I liked the most. I, well, I, well, I liked the, um, well, first of all, the first one that I listened to, and I can't remember the name of the guy. I can't even remember the song exactly, but it was like, you were talking to some sort of punk musician and he has like a record label. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um... It was like a ska. He was in like ska groups as well and stuff. Oh, Mike Mike Park. Mike Park from Asian Man Records. Yeah, exactly. Everything right is wrong again. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, that was a great episode as well. Just because like I that like that really introduced me to the idea of dial song as a way to to developing the songs. You know, like I knew that they kind of used it as a way to get demos out there, but I didn't realize how much they like cannibalized songs or kind of grew grew them. You know. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Hearing the bands on that was great. But um, the the spiraling shape episode was uh, amazing to hear um, your one's uh, background. Shout out to uh, Marianne McTrow, a Canadian. To hear her how she got into it and um, all of the kind of different um, related band things uh, that was great as well. Uh, especially because I think she brought in like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is yeah. like. A real entry point then for a lot of people who are like into, you know, I guess weird shit or the quirky or... Yeah, yeah. I, pr- I prefer the phrase weird shit to, to quirky. It seems like quirky has become like, that's become like a four-letter word as far as uh, They Might Be Giants goes, because it's just like lazy. Yeah. But I think most of us would proudly call ourselves weird 
And th- though, I mean, there are a lot of people, I think they're a little more straight laced that still appreciate they might be giants, but we, for the most part, are open for stuff where there's detuned piano or, you know, really bizarre shit, but we also like our pop sensibilities. So, you know. I, I kind of was a bit of a snob when I was a teenager and I wanted to like bands that nobody else liked, you know? And Hell so, yeah. That's yeah. what being a, a punk kid's all about. Exactly. Yeah. I, but I remember my friend's brother played uh, the presidents of the United States of America. Their, oh, nice. like, first Their first album. And I was like, oh, this is great. So then I was like just listening to this band constantly, but I kind of wasn't because of the nature of like, well, I didn't have any money, so I couldn't buy any CDs. But then I would be going into places and I would be trying to find stuff to listen to and I couldn't find anything because there wasn't much variety in like the West of Ireland, you know? Yeah. And I tried to, uh, I also like at the at the time, well, this is when I was about like 10 or something. I liked like Tenacious D or something. Nice. You know? <laughs> but I still, I, I still find a lot to like in Tenacious D and how they're oh, like yeah. funny, you know? But and I mean, great, great musicians. Yeah. That's the thing about comedy music. The songs yeah. got to be good. It's the same reason I love Lonely Island and why their songs yeah, exactly. uh, stand up is that like a Tenacious D song, you could put serious lyrics to it and it yeah. would still be a fucking great song. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even Wonder Boy kind of gets to that <laughs> kind of place just because, um, and then when they Wonder directed that. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I remember like just kind of being star for whatever and but i on some website i like found um i found this I, th- I think now it's been incorporated into spotify but it was called like last fm you know that thing yes oh it's and still you, yeah. around and i still yeah. like to see my stats on it <laughs> yeah but i like typed in um i typed in like oh this is the band i like presidents of the united states of america every single i also love gorillas and i liked um blur so sure. like every single time I was kind of typing in these acts together, what would constantly happen is they might be giants who come up like number one, number one, number one. But uh, I just dismissed it because uh, they were the people who did the Malcolm in the Middle theme song. So I was like, right. oh, right. Oh, I was yeah, just yeah. like, I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm actually into different stuff. I'm not into that. that you know, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And eventually yeah. I just relented one day and I downloaded like Birdhouse in Your Soul. And I thought I had them pegged because of um, the intro to Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, but I genuinely remember hearing that song and just going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. is like just yeah. having a moment where I was like, I, I still like very clearly like ingrained in my brain hearing this kind of the John Linnell's voice was just one of the most transformative things ever. Just that weird, unapologetically nasally voice. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that that's another thing. I know, I haven't really thought about that much. If if you've only heard like one song and it's by one of the Johns, but then you hear a song by the other John, you're like, oh, there's a whole other songwriter involved. I exactly. mean, that really yeah. opens up the world of They Might Be Giants a lot. But they also sound like similar enough that I thought it was the same person doing like a different voice. I'm very attuned to it now. Um, I love... Um, at the time, it was like there was slight variations, but now it's like, yeah, no, Linnell. I was obsessed with Linnell. I wanted to have like the same haircut as him and everything, you know, like yeah. I wanted to. And I just, uh, I was looking up everything that I could and I, I got his like the solo album. And uh, it was State funny because yeah. when I was, it's funny because I only down, I only got the full State Songs album when I was in 
college. Which was like, what, what, what years are we talking? Um, I was in college, I, I was 2009 to 2013. Okay, so it was like a 10-year-old album at that point, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but like, the, I only managed to get one because I was downloading them on a, a really bad connection um, on like LimeWire at the yeah. time. And because I couldn't, because like, Digital music in the way it is now just didn't exist back then, so I couldn't access the songs in the same way, you know. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And I didn't have any money, so it was, you know, um, that's how I excuse it. I mean, hopefully, I've made up for it since buying the albums whenever I can. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I only managed to download South Carolina actually, and I listened to that like on a loop. And um, I, th there's the junior cert is like, I suppose, I don't think there's a comparable cert over there, but it's basically like if you were in middle school, I imagine, you know, but it was like an end of year exam. And for it, uh, my art exam, I managed to make like a little um, cartoon um, and submit that as part of my, you know, um, project work, I guess. And, um, yeah, I had South Carolina as the um, soundtrack for it. Nice. You know? Great song. Crash my bicycle, crash my bicycle In a big South Carolina wreck I crash my bicycle And I want some damages and they were punitive By which I mean the fit my you know uh you know pretentious kind of like oh actually it's the solo album of this guy that you don't know to all my kind of right. friends in school yeah <laughs> i'm listening to um, such weird stuff yeah. that i'm listening to the side yeah, projects yeah. of this weird band exactly but like i think the other thing about the weirdness as well is that like you know there was people who listened to like weird al and i didn't dislike weird al but i thought he was sure. too goofy I thought like the I thought that and I still think that what they might be giants is that they the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is an apt kind of comparison because it's like strange but um, I don't know it's kind of like there's a lot of like melancholy with it it's very sad and there's a lot of kind of very serious themes being dealt with and kind of people thinking about things and like Anna Ng was one once I found out what the lyrics were about as a teenager you just like that is so yep. deep man yep. you know and it's, but it's still amazing just like somebody saying thinking that you know somebody's on the other side of the planet and they'll never meet them but they'd be in love with them if they did meet them and it's a very romantic notion for a teenager but to be in, to be inside such a silly song is like you know or so, a song that kind of sounds unconventional and a bit kind of um like you know shooting a bullet through a, a desktop globe like all this kind of weird right, imagery right. And uh, the Discworld books as well. I used to read those obsessively. And Terry Pratchett was um, um, very into They Might Be Giants. I believe they came up. He said that uh, Where Your Eyes Don't Go was the most terrifying song yeah. he'd ever heard yeah. in his life. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was in that ethos of like, oh, I love the weird stuff that they've done. And my parents got me uh, the user's guide. Um, so I kind of got through that. And then... They also got the spine, but the spine was just so radically different to the user's guide. It took me a lot longer to get into yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that the lyrics were a lot more on the nose in their weirdness. 
So that was where I kind of got, I got very resistant to it. Do you know what I mean? They didn't seem to be as like haunting as, um, you know, the albums from the eighties and nineties, you know? And it's right around where they discovered that they could just like knock out a power pop song super easy and it would be super catchy and awesome. Um, I mean, they do some of it on the else, which we'll be talking about, you know, which you know, we should be talking about more because the song's off there where like something like the Mesopotamians right around this era, yeah, with the Marty era, uh, they're like, well, hey, people really love these big poppy choruses. Let's do more of that. Whereas I think the spine was like all that. Yeah. Except for like Stock of Wheat and Bastard Wants to Hit Me and a couple others. My sister hates that song, Stock of love Wheat. Love it. She fucking despises it. <laughs> well, but I think that's what's great about it is that their divisive songs are the most interesting. And I can't wait to do an episode on that. I don't think anyone's even signed up for it. Because that's almost like a magnetic field song. Right. Where it's written from kind of like an old school songwriter's, American songwriter's perspective, and it's got all these funny rhymes. It's kind of silly, but it's also got the depressing normal Linnell themes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You know, I was all out of luck, like a duck, like a duck that died. Like, it's just... And I, I think if there's a song that everybody loves, it's almost more boring to talk about. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. So, and then I think on the else was almost a reaction not only to politics but to the spine. And I don't yeah, know if, yeah. if they, I don't know if they got that vibe from their fans that I got, where it's like this was too normal, like coming off a of mink car with all the weird shit that mink car had. Mink car is yeah. I mean, I I listened to a bit of your um, album or your podcast on that, and yeah, it is like for ages I actually avoided it because I, because yeah, like you know somebody who is obsessively reading um this they might this might be a wiki or whatever i just kind of was like oh this is a this is a shit album <laughs> it must be yeah. a shit album and, right people bring it down shit talking yeah. it it's wrongfully so but there's some incredible jams on that one like there's um there i loved um god what was the one um I mean, it is a little cheesy i will admit like because it work uh, no the, what's the one that was the cover and I, I never oh, got yeah, to yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I almost yeah. never listened to that one because every time uh, Flansburg went like, yo, 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 I was like, yeah. I actually yo, can't yo, fucking yo. listen to this shit. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Come on, come on. Now every evening, when all my days work is through, I call my baby and ask her what we could do. I mentioned Eventually, I got to it, and I was like, I cannot believe that this song was hidden behind that intro that I just hated. You know, uh, my man, incredible song. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I could go on. I think that that album, yeah, it is like, oh god, and man, it's so loud in here. Is like, like that's their probably their most like, like that's where they were really trying, and they were yeah. coming up with some like very unique sound. And maybe I think you're right that they maybe did retreat a bit with the spine yeah, yeah. and then they kind of reacted with the else but then i think they retreated again with uh what's the one after that again join us that's the one yeah join us yeah well they did a couple of kids albums and i i think that kind of brought them into like this uh i don't know i mean i you know i i would love to talk to them and hopefully it'll happen sometime but yeah this kind of stuff you know who knows if they'd even want to talk about that but you know like i'm not gonna say to john flansberg be like hey the spine kind of sucked it, it didn't suck but like i would never no, no. like i could never go there it would be hard to kind of figure out how to ask these questions uh, like am i awake there's no reason that shouldn't have been on the spine do you know that song 
Yeah, I do know that one. What was what was that on again? It was on the Indestructible Object EP, which came out before the Spine. So really? it's like okay. it's this song that like is like nothing else on the album. Uh, and then they don't put it on the album. But for some reason, Memo to Human Resources makes it on both, like this boring song. Yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. Am I Awake, which is like, they had music videos for it. They had like fan submitted music videos and stuff like that. But then they don't put it on the album. When I get through this part, will the next one be the same? Will I be wondering if I'm awake? I don't know where it would rank if I actually ranked, you know, my top 100 They Might Be Giant songs or something, but it would probably be at least in the top 50. I love that song. It would have been what it probably would have been my favorite song on the spine if it were on the spine. Well, I could be wrong about this, but there was, I believe there was like a single or something released for the spine, but then the B-side on the single was a re-recording of Sense Around. Was that true? Or is that my misremembering that? Because Sense Around was like such a big deal when I was like following the community because, you know, uh-huh. it was in the Power Rangers movie and it had like this incredible, it was an incredible song, but you could only get it off of this um, Power Rangers motion picture soundtrack or something. Yeah, it was a B-side to, um, it was a B-side to Factory Show. Really? Which is crazy. I just thought that there was a wealth of tracks that they could have put on, but then the spine has like just some weird ones that feel like they're not entirely fleshed out and that and again the weirdness like i was saying incredibly on the nose <laughs> just like you know like even when taking into account like experimental film where it's like the, i don't know what part you know i'm gonna make your brain explode or your head explode and all this type and it was just like and it was just a little too weird whereas like museum of idiots really hit it for me where it was like that was like the type of they might be giants i liked where it was like quite yeah again like sad and kind of about like you know uh, relationships as well. I, I, those were the tracks I was always drawn to. <laughs> Are we ready to actually talk about I'm Impressed? I'm so ready. Yeah! song i think um before we get into politics because that might be a majority of this discussion (laughs) you know the lyrical content let's talk about the musical content and first off i just want to talk about the drum programming oh completely it it, it kicks off the album so what are what are your thoughts on uh you know it kicks off the else it kicks off the song what do you think about those drums at the beginning well i think like i was talking earlier about being into gorillas and when Gorilla's first album had like just this real fuzzy kind of sound, and I wonder if that's stuck in my brain because like um, now this might be like I might be getting too uh, introspective about this, but like you know the kind of sound of uh, the compression basically on all the Dylasong stuff and like where it just sounds really like fuzzy and distorted and everything. Yeah. This one is like a kind of polished version of that. And it just like introduces the album. And it's like, obviously like the, one of the biggest gut punches ever, you just hear it. And it's like, you know, your intestines are vibrating or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I yeah. really, I just, it was like, it really took me by surprise and it's a great intro to the whole thing. 
But then when you get into, like, and I know we'll talk about it later, but just, like, the content, it is funny that, like, it's definitely the darkest they've ever gotten, except for nanobots, but the darkest they've ever gotten while, um, and, and they just they just can't be serious, which is why I really like them. Do you know what I mean? As in, like, that's the best thing. Is in, like, I, I, if somebody was being earnest about this stuff, I would just be squirming. But the fact that they're like just taking, they, they just kind of take the edge off of it and they're saying something really important, but they are doing it in a way which is like disarming and just kind of like, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. And when it starts off, it just, and, and you know, Linnell singing like lower and kind of more direct than usual is kind of another thing too, you know? Like, yeah. don't know the technical terms exactly, but he really is like, he sounds more serious than he's ever been as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, um, before we go any further, let's play that the them on Conan doing it, because yeah, sure. that, that kind of, um, yeah, hearing hearing it played live with a with Marty on drums instead of drum machine um, gives you a different kind of perspective on it. And mm. also Linnell's delivery, like you're saying, um, is interesting. The way, I mean, he does his normal, like Linnell looking at the camera thing, which I love, oh, yeah. but the way he delivers this kind of, I mean, it's kind of a punk rock song, but he yeah. delivers it in a very calm fashion. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love Linnell. I don't know that the drums don't have the same fuzz to them for me. Um, sure. It's interesting to hear them, but I don't know. I don't know if I like them. But I, I was just Th- this immediately. This is maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is maybe one that Marty should play his his drum pads for. Mm. You know, yeah, know. To, so oh. you can get so you can yeah. get kind of an electronic kit sound. You know, I'm just like hearing a, the the kind of toy piano or whatever he's got. It's not toy, but like it sounds. Uh, yeah, so I want to talk about that. He's playing a celeste. Yeah. And a celeste, this is something he would not bring on tour, but he's okay. playing a, sh- a show in New York, very close to where they live. So he carts over this celeste, which are very expensive instruments. Um, and I, or celesta, you, you, you hear it both ways. But um, mm. I am looking up how much it would cost me to buy a celeste. <laughs> and his his looks old, which it is a very, it's typically so with, uh, associated with classical music. Um, and to to sum it up, um, 
and and toy pianos are technically cellists too, mm. but cellist just sounds too fancy. I think if you've got an actual little mini piano looking thing, but yeah. a cellist is essentially a giant uh, glockenspiel, so a metal bar oh, instrument wow. inside a piano, uh, a keyboard instrument. That's incredible. So just like on a, on a piano, um, piano is a percussion instrument. Right? A lot mm. of people get confused by that, but it's because when you press the keys, there are hammers that on the inside mm. that hit that hit strings. In this case, there are little hammers or mallets that are hitting metal bars. So, whereas on a glockenspiel, you'd use two mallets. If you're really good, you could use four mallets, two in each mm. hand. Though on a glockenspiel, the bars are so tiny, it's hard to do that, where you'll hear that more on vibraphones and marimbas using four right. mallets. But um, on a celeste, you got ten fingers. So... You could do really fast uh, runs and uh, really big chords mm. that you couldn't do on a, a glockenspiel played with mallets. So yeah, it's essentially a giant glockenspiel um, inside a piano. That's incredible. The most famous celeste, uh, or one of the most famous, is um, the Sugar Plum Fairy part of the Nutcracker. sound is different than what we hear on the piano. The sound is produced by hammers hitting on metal, striking metal, which is very different from the piano sound, which is hammers striking a string. So we could say this is a little bit more belonging to the percussion family. It almost sounds like the bells or vibraphone. So if you look at the YouTube channel, Colorado Springs Philharmonic, uh, and search, if you just search like the Nutcracker and Celesta or Celeste, C-E-L-E-S-T-A, you'll also see it C-E-L-E-S-T-E, kind of depends if you're talking, if you're speaking Italian or French. Yeah, it's a great sound. Um, Oh, she plays a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood theme on Celesta. (laughs) Oh my God. We never really got Mr. Rogers over here, or maybe we did before, you know. Um, my time. So what do you think about that celeste? Did you, uh... I think, yeah, I mean, it sounds really familiar when you hear it with the nutcracker, obviously, but then on the, yeah, I mean, every time I, I mean, anytime they use glockenspiel or anything like that in their songs, I always want to hear more of it. You know, it's got that sound that I like, which is just really sparse and tinny, you know? Um, and it definitely suits the song. Yes. And I had always kind of assumed that it was just a glockenspiel because... There's not anything super fast on it. It's mostly ping, ping, unlike the chord changes of the choruses. But I use the glockenspiel a ton in outdoor velour recordings, and we even use it live, which is not an instrument you see live a whole lot. But the reason I love the glockenspiel, and it carries over for the celeste, is that um, as far as like, if you know anything about like the sonic spectrum and like the EQ, like frequencies of sound, um, the, the celeste and the glockenspiel sit in this high-frequency range that nothing else in a rock band covers except for, like, the cymbals. Right. So if you're, if you're mixing a record, you know, you might need to control the cymbals a little bit on the EQ because, you know, it could be really harsh if you've got the cymbals loud in the mix. The EQ, the, the high, high frequencies that a cymbals and cymbal overtones can reach can sometimes be um, distracting. Or, mm. um, or depending on 
how young the person is if they still have all their high frequency hearing. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, have you ever heard about that? Like in some parks in like big cities, they'll after dark play like this high pitched tone yeah. to keep teenagers out of the park. Uh, older people can't hear them. They had that outside a video store that was uh, in Galway, a mosquito alarm, and they still do in some areas, although now I can't hear them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a high pitch. It was a thing that I, I was like, it's very, it's very, uh, it's funny because it's, it's this type of noise and it's not like it's hitting your eardrums necessarily. You feel it in a kind of inner ear type thing, you know, and yeah, yeah. not a very nice sound, very unpleasant. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the, the cymbals in a, in a rock band uh, typically, obviously, the bass guitar and the kick drum are going to be filling up most of the low frequencies, uh, and then you've got the cymbals taking up the highest frequencies, and then you got the guitars and the vocals and keyboards kind of filling out the middle. Sure. Yeah. Um, but when you add a glockenspiel in there, like it, people think of it as like a pretty instrument or like a wussy instrument. That's not a rock band instrument. But Alter Valor implements it a lot because. It can cut through. You don't need to mic it even at a rock show. We'll be playing loud enough that we're all wearing earplugs, but that glockenspiel will cut through, does not even need a microphone on it. Really? That's so funny. Yeah. And like in a mix, like if you've got a song that's like really got like heavy, like, you know, grunge era, beefy, distorted guitars, but then you got this ping, ping, like it's going to cut through the mix like nothing else can. And lots of times I'll use it to double a piano line. Like if there's a little piano line, do the exact same thing on a glockenspiel um, to like in a little run, and they sound so good together, like an octave apart, and that glockenspiel just cuts through like a laser through a mix of any song. And it is so like uh, in the the context of the song, it is so delicate, and you right. know what I mean? <laughs> everything else is so like really oppressive and angry and kind of brutal. Uh huh. And then you just have this thing kind of uh, yeah, again like say piercing through as in you know. But it's kind of twinkly. It's still a pretty sound. You know, it's not like a piccolo where like and we have a piccolo. We have a piccolo on our Doctor Worm cover, um, playing the highest trumpet notes. And that, like, like a piccolo can get really shrill if you wanted to. I mean, it's a pretty instrument, but it, it, it is used in marching bands, and it was used by John Philip Sousa so much because it cuts through everything. Yeah. Like, you could, you could have, like, ten trumpets, but then you got one piccolo just going, wow, like, way up there. It's going to come through. And so the, the glockenspiel, though, is very pretty, but still cuts through. You don't even have to hit it that hard. And the Chalice, like, he's not, like, banging on this thing. He's just kind of standing there while Miller's covering most of the... Miller's covering the synths. Flans is covering the distorted guitars. Oh, his guitar. I just love his guitar. Oh, it sounds so good. The Telecaster. Well, just the look of it. I mean, I you know, the oh, fact yeah. that he's left-handed, but also the green on it. I'm always obsessed with that color, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Our, our nursery, Zinnia's nursery, is that minty blue-green. I have this uh, cartoon I made, and it's kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon, except they're like, you know, imagine like Josie and the Pussycats, except if they were like Irish, you know? So there's like a scene that yeah. I did where a character is like playing a guitar and kicking somebody in the face. Yeah. But the um, the guitar he's playing is Flansburg's guitar, and same way left-handed. I was like, oh, I love it, love it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Telecasters, but th- this this is really the era I think where Flansburg kind of settled into. Oh yeah, mainly using the Telecaster because yeah. he went through so many weird guitars in the 80s and 90s. 
but he kind of settled in. He's like, this is my go-to guitar. And he's got a lot of guitars still, but um, that's his, his go-to. But so Miller is covering the synthesizer stuff. He plays a little guitar. He's got his guitar strapped onto him, but he's playing a lot of the keyboards. While Linnell, Linnell's mainly just singing lead and hitting those little twinkly things in the chorus, which seeing that Celeste there on stage, like I think a lot of people and probably people in the audience at the show were probably like, what the fuck is that? Like, it looks like a piano but it's kind of smaller like yeah, it's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty big celeste yeah it's pretty big for a celeste um but too small to be a piano i think most people would realize or they might think oh look at that tiny piano i don't know well, that's what i thought certainly yeah you know danny Wankoff is is laying down that bass which is so important in this song and marty has the minimal kit he just has yeah kick kick snare hi-hat crash which uh, the one thing that made me think of is when the Smashing Pumpkins uh, put out the 1979 as a single on Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I remember seeing them on a late show and seeing Jimmy Chamberlain, their drummer, just playing kick, snare, hi-hat. I don't think he even had a crash. And I'm like, why is he playing on that puny little kit? Because I'm like a young drummer who has like all these cymbals and a bunch of bullshit. And he's playing on this tiny kit. And then I listen to it. I'm like, oh, that's all the song needs. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really funny about their band as well that they look so because like I think on I could be wrong wasn't it that they had like a former in sorry in John Henry they had like some former some guy who was in like Iggy and the Stooges and like they have like they they basically had this kind of band that you kind of it makes sense but then when you see their band now it's like they're like these weird duo that have like a band of kind of broy looking guys <laughs> do you know what i mean you, you think look, their backing man is broy looking well i think they're all kind of they've got like their little kind of gel tip you know like little spiked up hair in this era but this was yeah. the, still the first decade of the aughts i suppose uh, yeah it was more the style at the time um but i think who you're thinking of is they had the basis from pure ubu okay so that's what i mean like you kind of feel like the you know that's the uh, that's that's what they always kind of felt like to me. So then, kind of see the people that they do play with. It's like it's, it's just funny. Dan Miller, Danny Wankoff, Marty—they are so good at their respective instruments, and they cover like the the range and anything that a song needs. Whether it's a 1980s, they might be Giants Duo era song or a modern one, they. They are top-notch. I'm purely talking about on an aesthetic level in no way. Sure, I, sure, sure. I don't sure. want to make any sort of criticism because, no, they're they're an amazing band, you know? Uh, I guess the, the only other aesthetic thing I wanted to talk about with, without even getting into lyrics, just the sound of Linnell's voice. Yeah. There's an interesting point that I was just confirming with my, with my friend and good friend of the pod and wiki uh, editor, John Ulis, because there's a little thing on the wiki that says... Uh, in the trivia for this song, it says in a, a 2017 interview with uh, the, the website Electronic Musician, uh, the Johns uh, said that the distortion on the vocals was due to the fact that it was recorded as an MP3. I sent John Ulis a quick message, and I said, my guess was that they say that it was recorded as an MP3. So I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I said, is it because it was demoed? And they just liked Linnell's performance so much that they kept that demo's vocal take, even though he recorded it as a poorer quality demo level vocal take, you know, not not caring about fidelity, sent it as a compressed MP3. And and John said, yeah, I, I think you got it. And he 
posted a screenshot for me. I'm just going to read this little bit of the interview here. Sure. You found the spot I was looking for for me, and that's why John John Ulyss is like my go-to. I'm like, hey, man, can you clear this up for me? He edits the wiki. He knows fucking more than about the MMP Giants than almost anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, he probably remembers more trivia than actually like the Johns would remember. He could probably tell them, oh, do you remember when you guys did this? They'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. You know. So in this interview, Linnell says, here's a sort of happy way that we collaborated on the last record. And I always love hearing about the Johns working together rather than separately. Oh, same. One yeah. example is I sent my demo of the first track, I'm Impressed, to John Flansburg. I emailed it to him. And Flansburg says, MP3, really lo-fi MP3. And Linnell... At some point, I gave John the OMF, uh, which, um, the OMF, I'm having trouble even thinking what the acronym would be, which, uh, I could probably Google it, which just had the vocal and the drum reference and the chords. He took that, Flansburg took that, and constructed a whole new track just behind the vocal. So he basically created a completely new track based on what I'd given him, and then we we brought it to Pat Dillett, who was the uh, co-producer and engineer on that record. Um, and, and the Dust Brothers were also involved with the record, but they were not they were not involved with this track. Oh, really? Oh, that's strange. Yeah, but they do say that it's inspired by their work with the Dust Brothers, and they were they were trying to keep the vibe. So even though the Dust Brothers weren't involved, they were inspiring to their production. So Linnell sent him the vocal, drums, and basic chords. And then Flans ran with it from there. So then Flans says, although what's funny is the vocal that's on the track is from the MP3, from this original demo that Linnell sent. If you wonder how we capture that really crummy sound, it is that familiar sound of a kind of low-res MP3. We listened to the vocal track, and part of it just had some slightly distressed effect on it. Yeah, Linnell says sort of a murky sound to it. And then Flansburg, and combined with the... Er- Combined with the original source and the effect, it did seem more interesting than just a straight vocal. And then to finish this segment, Linnell says, I think the MP3 had the effects I had put on it in my home studio. The OMF we brought to Pat of the original full bandwidth vocal didn't have the effects that I put on the demo. And we're like, well, how do we get these effects? And Pat was like, well, why don't you just use this track, this perfectly good MP3 track? (laughs) You know, there's no demo of this song. Like, there's no chronology tab on the wiki. There's no... They didn't release any demos. They're kind of past the demoing phase of their career. They kind of stopped doing it uh, around the time of uh, After the Spine. And so there's no demo to hear. We can't... I don't think they've ever leaked the demo of I'm Impressed. I would love to hear this demo that he sent to Flans. Yeah, I would die. I would die to hear this basic one <laughs> before before Flansburg got a hold of it and made it like a guitar rocker. Um, but so yeah, they they ended up liking the kind of digital weirdness that happens with a compressed MP3, and it ended up making the track. Well, it becomes so similar because, like you know, the thing I was talking about earlier about Dylason kind of producing some very haunting kind of sounds with the compression from the tape or whatever. This right. is like a kind of I mean, MP3, I think obviously they probably still exist, but like there's this thing of like, it is a real spit in the pan type uh, audio format that meant so much for this very short space of time, you know, but it it allows for like, you know, this kind of digital artifacts, which are really like of that 2007, 2008 era, do you know what I mean? And and it really captured that mode, the the mood at the time of just the kind of, because like, 
as much as like things seem completely fucked now, like back then there was like a there was like I remember like because I was I was only a teenager, but there was a feeling of despair, which was just like this is it, isn't it for fucking ever? Then despair for what? Uh, just to, cl- to clarify. Well, I remember like when I was I was in I was about thirteen um, when. It was, it was about 2003 when they thought about invading Iraq, you know, or right. they were brought up about invading Iraq. And um, it's important as well. I didn't mention this to you when we were talking on uh, Twitter, but um, Ireland's relevance in this as well is that um, to this day, uh, planes still land in Shannon Airport to refuel. And uh, uh-huh. uh, Shannon Airport's in, um, oh God, actually, I can't remember what county now. I'm going to say Clare. Um, but... You know, it's one of these things whereby, um, yeah, anyway, there, there was tons and tons of protests against this and didn't make it, it's like, and I believe in protest as a form of, any, you know, you know, expressing yourself and doing all this type of stuff. But at that time, the amount of protests that people went to and the amount of people just clogging the streets and just being like, no, do not do this. And then they did it anyway. And then you just suddenly go like, you just felt fuck they can just do whatever they want and then when they were confronted about like the lies and stuff they would just deny or obfuscate or whatever and then the next thing that happened was like okay carrie is on the scene it's like this is it we're gonna this is our chance to finally get out of this you know and then he loses and then it was just this feeling of like oh my god like this is gonna be it like indefinitely forever like they're just and it was bloodthirsty like at the moment it's it's like it is horrible, but it's kind of like a a kind of silly horror. It's horror show. You see this thing happening. This guy is like terrifying, but like he's so like I don't know. He's just goofy. He's just really silly. I'm t- of Trump, right. obviously, but with Bush, right. and there was these people behind him, and it was just this weird. And you know, the album reflects it. This kind of clandestine group of people who seem to just be organizing against the interests of the public despite everybody not wanting this you know and, yeah and yeah. and you there was nothing you could do and there was a powerlessness and um yeah so i guess that that's what i'm talking about when i say despair <laughs> all right hang on just a sec we're gonna take a very short break to hear from uh, one of our podcast friends You love They Might Be Giants, huh? I'm guessing you do, since you're listening to this podcast. But did you know there is another podcast that talks about They Might Be Giants almost every episode? And it's not about They Might Be Giants at all. It's Bare Naked ABCs. We talk about the Canadian version of They Might Be Giants, also known as Bare Naked Ladies. And we love Bare Naked Ladies. The band. If you love quirky music made by talented musicians, come check us out wherever you download podcasts. Bare Naked ABCs. The Else uh, came out in 2007. Let me see what was the exact date. May 15th, 2007. Uh, so then it would be a full year and a half before Obama would be elected mm. um, and kind of take us out of that negativity. Yeah, it was a Obama- pressure release, yeah. Yeah, not that Obama was a perfect president. No, there were things he did that, yeah. that, that I didn't agree with, and... You know, he ended up being more of a, a, a left center than like yeah. far left uh, president. But still, it was in the At that definitely moment. in the right direction, yeah. and it was nice to have an intelligent president again. Yeah. Um. God, and now we're back to fucking the dumbest president <laughs> we've ever had. Um. Yeah. But but so 
it was nice to see, and, and before we go back to the Bush era, in 2008, it was nice to see, and, and Senator John McCain just you know passed away fairly recently, and I would would not agree with most of his politics, but he was centri- he was centrist enough that um, he defended Obama. There's there's a clip that just gave me so much respect for him, where um, I think it was during a rally or something that McCain had some sort of thing with his supporters, and there was someone in the crowd. That was basically like what we'd call fake news now, where this person was like, oh, I don't remember if they said that he's a Muslim or that he's he wasn't born an American. He wasn't born in America. Like something that was totally false. And McCain actually said, no, that's not true. He's like he, he defended Obama and basically said Obama is a an American and a very respectable person like he basically defended his honor in front of his supporters which is insane to think about in this day trump trump in at his rallies would never no ever be like oh well you know elizabeth warren is a very respectable person oh bernie sanders very intelligent veteran uh politician he would never ever say anything positive in the slightest about his what he sees as his competitors. Yeah. Well, I think like at the time, I well, I mean like on reflection, I think people, and I would kind of be in agreement with you now, but like, um, but there is like, there is a thing that people have reflected on. Cause I think she goes, he's a Muslim. He's not from here, you know? Right. But he says, he's not a, he's not a Muslim. He's a good man or something like that. You know? Yeah. That's, it's kind of <laughs> a weird way to say it. Like, but, people you know. were like, but I mean, that's, I mean, that like sometimes you just have to come from somebody else's perspective and it's like he's right. not a perfect man and he's not great and his opinions were probably pretty shitty but like you have to look at the sentiment behind what he was trying to convey to this person i can i can cut him a little slack but cuz i think it was kind of like in the moment he's like probably in his brain he's like he's like i need to respond to this and correct it he's like i need to correct this yeah um and i don't know if he was necessarily like oh i got to you know appeal to them by saying you know, we're we're still like we're still like in the war on, on the war on terror, quote unquote. Yeah. And he's like, well, my all of my supporters think that Muslims as a whole are bad. I I don't know if he was necessarily coming at it from that. I think it was just like just like off the cuff, he's defending Obama, and I that's the takeaway. I think I don't think he was putting down all Muslims necessarily. In- 2008 like when the uh, election was over and he like announced his defeat i remember this very distinctly that they he was like well you know we lost and you know to obama and, and he was basically had these kind of magnanimous words to say about him but uh, his entire audience was like Boo! like just and he was like he just goes like no 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 and it was yeah. like there was a feeling i always got and i mean like you know he's got a lot of He's done a lot of shitty things since, you know. Um, McCain, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you think of the tax shit that was, you know, just before he passed, you know, and things like this. So, um, like, you know, he'll, he'll, whatever. I, I won't go into that because I'm trying to, trying to be gen- generous to the guy. But um, there's, there was this feeling like, you know, when you're in this moment and it's like, okay, it's me or this guy. I'm going to do anything I can to win this. Uh, presidency, and then he kind of unleashes Sarah Palin onto the world stage, you know, and all this type of stuff. And uh, then at the end, you just feel that when his cr- this crowd is booing this achievement, he just has his face on him, like, okay, I've, 
I I've stoked this beyond a reasonable like he just kind of, there is like yeah, definitely yeah. a guilt with this man of like what he has done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> much res- much respect to John McCain. He is well, I mean, for Christ's sake, he was he was a POW. He is like like the the level of courage and stuff that that it took from when he was a young man all the way up till when he died. Like he while he was a conservative, he was an American and defended and like fought for democracy up to the point where I think he regretted he regretted he didn't want Palin as his vice president. Yeah. I, I know that for a fact. And Palin coming in was the beginning of like the ultra divisive uh, uh, political landscape that we have today, where it's like us versus them. Yeah. And they bring in Palin and she's like, I'm this doofus. And I, you know, I'm a, a look at me. I'm a hunter. And I, uh, yeah. I, you know, I own guns and I shoot, you know, fucking wolves in the face. I don't even know. And like it's just like just this fucking idiot. So you've got like McCain, who, whatever you think of his politics, he is a smart man and he is a politician in the true sense of what a politician should be. Same with Obama. Now we've got a fucking reality TV star, um, yeah. uh, star quote unquote, a guy who who bought his way into television stardom um, as president. It's just like fucking how far things have come, like. Bush, W. Bush was, did, you know, took the country in this horrible direction. Um, But he, I honestly think he was doing his best. Now, I do think he's a bit of an idiot. You know, his his dad was a much smarter uh, man than him. Um, And he was, he was just like kind of a fuck up as a, as a, as a youth and, you know, cokehead and all this kind of shit. And he, 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 you know, we made fun of his stupidity then, but but he looks like a fucking genius compared to Trump. It's fucking awful. Well, I think like the, the Patton Oswalt had a joke that I thought was always uh, very applicable, but he was like, George Bush always seemed to fuck up when he was like talking about stuff like, ah, put food on your family or whatever. And then when it came, like when it came to stuff, he just, he just, I, to be honest, like, no, I, I, um, but also I'm looking at it from a different perspective, you know, cause I'm from Ireland and right. stuff like this. So like it, it never kind of occurs to me. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I, I feel that Bush far worse than Trump. Hey, hey George H just a, a cynical operative. Um, and McCain, like, you know, I, I see maybe more, maybe at his core, there was some moral, you know, conviction and stuff like this, but then there's a part where it's like, well, if you're doing the, you know, he's still a Republican. <laughs> it's like, right. and if you're doing the bidding of the, you know, if it's like, look, I regret that I have to do this, but I have to do it anyway. It's kind of like, well, then it's the same difference as if you actually wanted to do it as another thing. I mean, it's a different time of Vietnam, obviously, because you're not, you're conscript, you know, it's conscription and stuff like this, you know, right. but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, the, I think sometimes there is a kind of instinct and, you know, it's a good instinct because it's kind of trying to be like, look, you know, trying to find some sort of decency in all these people and stuff. But I, um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm not trying to drag a guy who's in the grave or whatever, right. but I just feel like yeah, the, the, the part where I'm like, you know, if the end result is that, you know, people are dying and uh, there's, you know, 
and all this it's kind of like i whatever about his what he wanted to do um but anyways that's beside the point that's kind of like i i think that it's what we were talking about is that it's such a different breed of uh evil back then do you know what i mean whereas yeah. now, now there's yeah. like there's like a silly kind of out in the open evil where it's like you know that reporter who was on in who just got like chopped up by an embassy and then they go like to trump are you not going to say anything to the saudis and he just goes well they gave us a lot of money and it's like oh my god like Fuck if, off. if that were like george w they'd be like well or even obama you know it would be like well you know we have to think we have to. he's just saying the thing that was always the unspoken part you know he, yeah he's just reactive i mean fucking christ I'm going to have to put a trigger warning for Republicans at the beginning of this episode. Swear to God. But that's why I think that a very special type of like thing that they might be giants are talking about in this song and this album is this kind of sinister underbelly, this body that is unaccountable to nobody, that nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's terrified. And there's just, you know, that it really did capture that. And it did make a resurgence with nanobots as well, because I believe that like, the, probably the Snowden stuff and, you know, the NSA, like, spying on everybody, that's very present in nanobots of just that kind of feeling of, like, you know, uh, oppression. Sure. So, yeah, I think that that's it. Like, you know, that there is the, the war element. but Right. Yeah. I wanted to read this quote again, which I, I feel like I've read on one of the previous um, else episodes, but I can't remember. Um, but it's important for, for people that jump around episodes, I should read it again. Um this, while they have never had outright political uh, songs, I mean, Road Movie 2 Berlin, basically, like, you, th- that's probably their most, like, straightforward, like, it, it's political in a way that you're actually acknowledging, like, the Berlin Wall, for one for one thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for, for this album, it was more of, in tone, the political landscape inspiring, and this is probably the most outright inspired by politics, the, the song, but the album as a whole, the Iraq War... So here's what, uh, what's on the wiki. Okay. The Iraq War was an influence on the songwriting process for the album. John Linnell said, That period was also in the wake of the Iraq War, so we were kind of feeling bad all the time because of the shitty government that we had. Normally, that kind of thing won't have a very direct relationship to our own theme, but there's a number of songs on the else that were a reflection of how horrible everything seemed at the time. And Flansburg said, uh, before that project had a name, all my files were just in a folder called, quote, during the war, unquote. <laughs> it's not it's not the topic, but it is the backdrop. It was the thing that's happening that's just sort of poisoning everything around it. Mm. So... While the else has songs that well, you'd say definitely do not have anything to do about the Iraq War, like the, Mesop- the Mesopotamians. Upside down, friend. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that could be about being sad of, because of politics. I don't know. Yeah. Or like the captain. I don't know. Um, but it, it, like, so this album, and one of the reasons it's always been my favorite is I feel like it's the else is They Might Be Giants' most punk album. And growing up on punk, and not just the politics, but also the Dust Brothers, and this song not being Dust Brothers, uh, just inspired by the Dust Brothers, this kind of alternative rock kind of feel where the guitars are pushed more to the forefront, they're more distorted. This is their most guitar heavy album. Yeah. And I love guitars being distortion and fuzz pedals. 
So I fucking love this album. It just, as a whole, was just amazing. And this song, I'm impressed, is just, uh, it, it, right off the bat, you're like, oh, that's what this album is about. Yeah. It's the, it's the perfect opener because it sets the stage lyrically, like the tone of the album lyrically for the most part. Mm. Um, and sonically is like, okay, yeah, there's yeah. going to be some, dr- there's going to be some drum machine or drum samples coming back. Love the drum machine. Yeah. The guitars are up front. Um, more than anything we've heard since like the John Henry demos. If you've heard the John Henry demos, Some you can tell that they started toning down their guitar playing. Cause like when Flansburg became essentially the rhythm guitarist, Dan Miller, who can shred and I love his style when he took over, it became the guitars became a little less punk and a little less angular yeah, no, I'd agree. and a, a, a little more kind of while, while widely varied and we've we've heard stuff where Miller has like done feedback and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like he could take on a punk thing, but like Flansburg grew up on the Ramones and all this shit, and he appreciated punk in a way that brought a punk guitar or like post punk element to yeah. They Might Be Giants in their early days. That kind of got lost when he became not the lead guitarist, and also I think when they went on Electra, the uh, production after the demos when they went to produce it, they're like, "Well, let's turn down the guitars." I yeah. don't know. Like it's, I, I, yeah. So I love the Else because it's like, it's their most punk album. Just, just to say it again. I was obsessed with Withered Hope when I was a teenager. I just was like, just every kind of so uh, good. Well, I love like the blast of like sound that kind of happens in a lot of their songs the horns but also like the if we're even going back as far as uh i can't remember the guitar where you know Uh in uh, apollo 18 where they have like you know these like just this blast of sound and then just reduces it down to like one sound one lone kind of sound Uh it's the same thing with withered hope and things like that but yeah i think you're right because when they get to john henry like there isn't that variety. It kind of just becomes this one chunk of audio. Do you know what I mean? There's no no instrument that's over one over the other. Yeah. Um, except for maybe dirt bike, um, but that's kind of a whole different thing, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I hadn't realized that until you said it. That I, I think a large part of the reason why I kind of came back to it as well is because they went back to the drum machine. But it's like a drum machine that is like fucking like on point you know oh I mean? yeah. yeah there was um i did and not to go back to magnetic fields but when um um stephen merritt i believe what was it they he took a break from synthesizers for like 10 years after like yeah um i can't remember what album it was it was probably 69 love songs it was i uh the song or the the album i had in the liner notes because I remember this was on my 2004 list. The same when I talked about with the spine was on the disappointments. I made my top 20, my top 20 favorite albums. And that was the album that actually introduced me to the magnetic field. So right. I was introduced to them post synthesizer era. And it said, I remember finding it really odd since I didn't know anything about the band at the time. Hmm. It was the first time I had heard looking in the booklet and it's saying, um, no synthesizers were used on this record. I was like, okay. I'm <laughs> like, why is he? Even, I'm like, why is he even <laughs> yeah, saying yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, but he made a point. Yeah, he's like, uh, this is all acoustic instruments, yeah, yeah. I suppose. You know, I mean, electric guitars obviously have come around, but like, no synthesized instruments or drum machines. Yeah. So 
Yeah. But he came back when they came back for I was it Love Under the Sea or whatever it's called. I can't remember. Uh-huh, Come with Andrew and Drake. Yeah. And they came back and he just said, We're using synthesizers that have were not invented the last time that we were doing synthesizers, you know. But that's what I feel about this drum machine is that it, like they took such a gap that when they came back, their drums are just like insane. Like obviously one of the best ones on it for me and it was like the the one that the Dust Brothers made for Upside Down Frown was just like you know like it's this great sound you know dude if if you haven't heard it on uh this might be a podcast.bandcamp on our bandcamp page mm. The very first live episode I did was the Don't Let's Start episode here in Lafayette, and okay. we did like almost like an open mic style, um, just all my friends hopping on doing They Might Be Giants covers, yeah. and I, I, of course, was involved in a lot of them, and I drummed, while singing lead, I drummed uh, Upside Down Frown, Okay, and it is... Hard. Fucking um, hard song, yeah. And I remember I talked to Marty about it in his uh, episode on this podcast. Mm. I talked to him, and I said, because I asked him, I'm like, is that you drumming or not? Because to me, it sounded like it sounded to me like maybe Marty played like a minute full of uh, beats, right. and then they took it and rearranged it to how they wanted the song to be. Because it sounds to me like, and and honestly, he's like, I honestly don't remember. He's like, I don't remember, but I think you're right. So my guess, he he could not confirm it, but he's like, my guess that they were basically sampling their own drummer. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Like Marty's like, oh, look at this cool beat. I don't know if it started with the drums, but like Marty's got this cool beat. But then we end up arranging the song differently, so we're chopping up his drum take mm. and sampling our own live drummer. So, like, drumming it live, like, from start to finish was exhausting. Um, plus, I sang over it. Like, there's parts where I mess up the drums because, well, it's a, it's a live take, one shot. I mess up the drums because I'm singing. I should have had someone else do lead, and I could just do drums. But I just love that song so much, I wanted to do both. And I've sung lead while playing drums before, but that one is like, whew. Yeah, yeah. Because it does sound almost like trap drums, where like, which is really popular now with like rap stuff and pop stuff, where there's just like this super fast subdivision on the hi hat and stuff, like, like, and uh, on that it's between the snare and hi hat. It's like, like it's just like super quick sixteenth note subdivision was super hard to learn, or at least like to have the stamina to do all the way through but yeah that song is fucking amazing yeah it's, a and great it's one. not it's it's not drum machine but it's it's sampling which is something they hadn't done in like a decade either yeah right right so uh, i i think you're right in saying it's almost like the 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 old you know, the old cliche distance makes the heart grow fonder mm. where like they're like and I, I i think that's another reason i like mink car it's almost like where they're like we haven't done a really weird song in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do Mr. Excitement. And then everyone's like, boo, Mr. Excitement. Yeah. Like, Fuck you. I'm not a Fuck fan you. of it either. But, <laughs> but still, like... No, you're right. Yeah. They were trying something. And like I said, the songs that divide the fan base are the most fun to talk about. Yeah. And uh, with this album, this is a very divisive album as well. Um, and 
because some people, like there's one guy who is also an audio engineer and producer, I remember mixing it up with in a friendly debate on yeah. a miscellaneous T thread where he was like, the guitars are too loud. And I'm like, that's exactly why I like it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, so uh, I'm like, I'm impressed. Like coming right out of the gate, people who loved the spine yeah. were probably like, ew. <laughs> it's funny because like the, the album is also really like they're having their cake and eating it because they also like they do this really like tight album and everything in it is like no meat, sorry, no fat on that. And then on the... Um, on the second disc, they just go fucking nuts, you know, with the podcast stuff and like, oh, later. Yeah. and that one is a, that one's a banger as well. Like, but it's, it's a real, it's one of the best. I, cause I was dating this American girl at the time and I visited her in, um, uh, her hometown and the album came out while I was there. And so I was like, this is amazing. Cause I, I could go into the, I could go into a shop and buy an album because in Ireland, like if, the album was released. It'd probably be about like a year, maybe before it would hit the, sh- the stores. You'd or you'd probably you probably have missed "Cast Your Pod to the Wind" because that was only included as a bonus disc for for a limited run. Uh, where were where were you at? Um, or where, she was in Vermont. So um, Vermont, okay. So we went into this uh, store, and um, yeah, it was like I was just really blown away. I just thought it was like. By Vermont, I thought it was like this is crazy, you know. Like they have a record shop, and they have all these. Because in the the shop as well, they were playing uh, Werewolves and Lollipops, which was Pat Oswalt's album, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. a fucking great comedy album. I ended up getting that eventually, but uh, that was another one where, like, you know, he was somebody who was almost on the same wavelength as they might be giants at that point in time yeah. because yeah. his material was about like just this dark, depressing, but also surreal and weird stuff. So it was quite an intoxicating thing to get this album and have like all these songs on it i would guess that he's a fan oh yeah he'd have to be yeah i would just like throw that out there that pat noswald is a fan of they might be giants you could you could probably get him on <laughs> you'd have to oh you know i am gonna try yeah yeah, uh, yeah actually because chris wade was on i remember and i feel like he would have a contact you know <laughs> really yeah well yeah because he's on chapel all the time pat oswald so yeah oh he is oh my yeah, god yeah. yeah i i want to be on their andrew and introducing podcast again i don't know if oh you're... it's an amazing podcast if yeah. if you didn't because i was on an episode of that have you heard that? No, I kind of dot around. I listened to their Thin Lizzy one because I was very curious. But uh, Well, go back and listen. About a year ago, I was on, and the book that I picked was Woody Guthrie's Bound for Glory. Oh, fuck. Right, yeah, no, I do have to listen to that then. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that was, like like I said, it was a great opportunity for me to talk about uh, a musician. That's not They May Be Giant. So yeah, I, yeah. I we had a blast, and yeah, Chris and Molly are great. They're and amazing, I love their yeah. podcast. I'm definitely behind on it. Uh, there was there at least partially to blame for me finally understanding Billie Eilish. <laughs> um, from a production standpoint, let let's jump back in and let's let's get down to brass tacks and talk about the animation on this music video first. Yeah, cool. Let's do. Well, it's stop motion. Um, yeah, like paper, almost like three D paper dolls in a way is how I would describe it as a non professional. You know, I'm I'm a pretty good visual artist as far as drawing goes, but it's not my focus anymore, obviously. Yeah. So I don't know how a lot of this is put together. So please, uh, uh, school us. Who did the uh, Who did the video? I don't know. And the thing about it as well, I've I've noticed that he's uploaded them 
since. I presume that it's Flansburg taking care of Particle Men YouTube page because probably he'll he'll say things about it sometimes, and I'll be like, okay. But he um he up just before Christmas there that he re-uploaded more HD kind of versions of their most popular music videos. Right. But this one is still just like super low resolution, uh, uploaded in 2007. And it's such a shame because, like, yeah, a lot of the, I feel like a lot of it's being lost um, with the compression of the visuals or whatever. But yeah, it, I don't know who did it. I don't, does it say? You know, I bounced to the official page. Yeah, so I'm looking at the YouTube, the Particle Man YouTube right now. And in the description, so it says, so it's, I'm impressed, parentheses, official Team BG video. But then you click on the description and see more, and it just says where you can buy it, mm. uh, the CD, a Spotify link, a merch link, a uh, TMBG shows link. Yeah, yeah. But it does not credit the, the creator of the video. So, like, what the hell? Let me see. Because I know Flansburg didn't do this from scratch. Oh, God, they obviously no. hired yeah. somebody. So... Let me see if it's in the... Uh, I found this thing online. It says Rob Shaw. Um, Shaw's music video for the They Might Be Giant song, I'm Impressed, won a gold plaque at the Chicago International Film Festival. Oh. Um, so that's on Vimeo. Okay. And it's from Bent Image Lab. Oh, and that on Vimeo, there is a way more high-resolution version of this. Oh, really? I can't believe that. Yeah, I'll send it over to you. I'll have to check that out. It's such a good video. What uh, as as an animator yourself? Oh no, it's one of my favorite music videos of all time because it's just like nice. I love like kind of arts and craftsy looking stuff, anyways. But the you know the fact that because okay, so like something one of my pet peeves is that there's that animation studio Leica and they make like uh, Paranorman and things like that. Um, they made Coraline as well, actually. Um, ah. Funnily, huh? Yeah. Yeah, uh, re- re- relevant. Yeah. So anyway, they made, um, but and every time they do their trailers and stuff like this, they're like from the hands that brought you, and then they they'll show like a behind the scenes thing, because um, they want you to go like it's stop motion. We trust us, it's stop motion. It's not CGI, <laughs> because they've got they've they've crafted it to such a point that there's almost no difference. Right. Whereas this one, um, yeah, you can just see the edges of the paper and the ruffles and stuff like that. And it's just such a gorgeous thing. And, and it ties into the song perfectly is another thing where like, you know, there's so many times where I, I kind of get uh, another thing that I kind of get annoyed with, with music videos is when, especially animated ones is when they just do what's happening in the lyrics of the song, you know? Right. And, right. Uh, or sometimes they'll just write the lyrics of the song. You know, um, now they do that to a certain degree in this as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like it's very much its own thing. You know, I, I just found the Wikipedia page for Ro- for Rob Shaw, Robert Shaw. Yeah. Um, Rob Shaw is an American film director, television director, commercial and music video director and animator. Mm. He's a graduate of the University of Arts in Philadelphia. So in 2006, he joined the animation studio Bent Image Lab Mm -hmm. in Portland, Oregon, and he began directing commercials, music videos, internet projects, um, and eventually long and short form television. So it actually says right here in like the second paragraph, in 2007, he directed the music video for the song I'm Impressed, Mm. the debut single from the album The Else by the band They Might Be Giants. And it says that you said it won a gold plaque at the Chicago International Film Festival. Yeah. So 
like that's of note on his Wikipedia page is this this video. Yeah. Like they might be giants have a shitload of videos, especially in this century. It was harder to make music videos in the eighties and nineties and more expensive. Yeah, for sure. Hotel Detective was an animated music video. Um and even there's parts of Istanbul, isn't it, where it's like uh-huh, paper machine. They have like um they have little bits of that animated and then they've got, I don't know if some of it's stop motion or if it's like puppets. It might be like just things hanging from strings. But yeah, like, and and then of course all the stuff that's animated off of uh, the kids' albums. Like there's tons of animation there. So so it also notes that he directed a second music video for the Giants. Oh, cool. What, the, what was that? Called, and it calls it C-A-D, C period A period D. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I look on the wiki, there's nothing. Yeah. It's actually, the song is actually called Computer Assisted Design. Okay, right. Computer Assisted Design. How you get from a dot to an object. Computer Assisted Design. It takes an idea and makes 3D stuff. Computer Assisted Design. It's from uh, Here Comes Science. Yeah. So it's um, and yeah. So the the song I you know I don't memorize the kids albums as much. Yeah, as totally. The adult albums, but uh, so it's got the big like intro from the animated Johns. But at about a minute, at about fifty seconds in, it gets into the actual video. By yeah, Rob that's Shaw, gorgeous Rob, stuff. Rob Shaw, Corkbot in computer assisted design, and it the the imagery and like the style of it is so cool and it's kind of in a way explaining how computer design works like in a kid's song Mm. it's very cool that's always been the cool thing about them is that like you know um i used to think i think i remember reading a review of the of the here comes the abcs back in the day on amazon and it was like they didn't mention the alphabet like they didn't do the alphabet from start to finish once <laughs> and they were yeah. like adamant that no we're, we're trying to make something where it's like the alphabet or the stars of this and it's there it's not like a, it's not like a, it's trying to make like learning fun as opposed to you know teaching you something about necessarily you know? it's <laughs> it's like state songs yeah not exactly quite that yeah not quite that off kilter uh, cause it's for kids, but it's like, you know, it's not like Iowa is a witch. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, but like flying V or, or whatever, like figure eight, all those albums. It's like, it's not like, how do we count to eight? Yeah, exactly. Four plus yeah. four is eight, you know, yeah. four and times two is eight. You know, it's not some bullshit like that. Uh, you kind of wonder how effective that stuff is as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like is, is yeah. getting people engaged is probably better than, you know, kind of making these catchy rhymes that mean that you're going to, you know, recite something to memory. I did. Uh, well, I'm in the middle of doing my second annual, they might be giants unit uh, for a program with my first graders. And we do some of the adult songs, like we're doing Particle Man, we're doing Dr. Worm, mm. um, but we're also doing like Triops yeah. is about like a cool creature that, that you know, has three eyes, but uh, it's teaching them about the prefix tri, meaning three. Yeah, You right. know, it yeah, goes through yeah. all the stuff, tripod, tricycle, that kind of thing, um, triangle, obviously, mm. and Triops. Um, 
Yeah, because every kid's heard of like a cyclops. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They know what that means, one eye. But triops is something they haven't heard. And like even with uh, like for fun, I think I had extra time one day with my kindergarten who aren't doing who aren't doing the unit. But I've played them a couple of the MF Giant songs, and I was asking them if they knew about even numbers right. for some reason, and. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know how those go. So they were showing me how they counted two, four, six, eight, ten. And uh, and they got to ten, and then some of them started getting confused. But, because yeah. they're kindergartners. But uh, then I, I'm like, you know what? We got a couple minutes. Let me show you, you know, the even numbers song off of Here Come the One, Two, Threes. And I, I sent a link to their kindergarten teacher. I told her when she picked them up from music class, I'm like, oh, they were showing me how they know even numbers. And I showed them a They Might Be Giants video about it. And I sent her a link and she's like, that's amazing. So there are plenty of, of those songs that do that are teaching kids. Uh, just, you just reminded me of a story because I remember that I was incredibly jealous. But that, um, the, yeah, this uh, friend of mine um, went to see them in America. And... Um, yeah, apparently this is when here come the one, two, threes, and here come the ABCs were coming out, and so I believe that uh, a very tired Flansburg was like signing merch at the end of the night, and this uh, person in front of them uh, said, "Like you taught my kids the the one, two, threes." He's like, "It's about time someone did." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect Flansburg uh, reply. <laughs> one more thing, just about the music video. While I remembered it, uh, was that the the violence from the music video oh. is something that they don't really have in any other, like it's very kind of, I don't want to say it's cuddly, but it's definitely not like as visceral as this one is where you have like razor blades, just cutting people's necks open and stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, and that really sp- says a lot for the moment too, uh, of for that album, you know, where it's like the darkness of it. And also, there's probably a lot of built-up darkness from the amount of kids' albums they'd been doing up until that point. Yes, or, you know. I was, I was thinking I was going to say that as soon as you finished, so you beat me to it. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of say that about Join Us as well because they put yeah. out two kids' albums between after the Else. They put out uh, Here Come the One Two Threes and Here Comes Science. Yeah, you know John Linnell's calling people dicks right off the bat. On yeah, you yeah, know yeah. can't keep Johnny down. So it's, and then like, when will you die? And you don't like me. All these songs that are like, not, it's not that they're obscene, but they're not kid friendly topics. It's, you know, about hating people and about being uh, an asshole, stuff like that. Um, did you even plug your pod at the beginning of the episode? No, I for completely forgot. I didn't even introduce myself properly. You know, <laughs> like, do it, do it now. No, it's fine. I'm Gareth Lyons. I'm I'm a Dublin-based animation creative. I have a studio called My Aunt Sally. Oh, that's great. Um, you can get us at myauntsally.com. Um, but yeah, no. The other thing that I do is a kind of um, I don't even know how to call it, what to call this, but essentially it started out as a festival of alternative animation to kind of show stuff that was not getting screened in Irish festivals, mostly the stuff made by me and my friends, and it was called Hackfest, and Hackfest soon became Hack Incorporated, and now we have a bi-monthly uh, film screening where we show like films based around a theme, but also a podcast whenever I decide to put it out because it is a lot of work on top of all the other stuff I'm doing. Uh, but You're the, telling yeah, me... The Hack Inc. Um, podcast, and um, we talk about um, you know animation, but also like Irish-based uh, animated stuff. So you know maybe it's a little niche, but there are episodes in there for an American audience. So you know, <laughs> dude, for podcasting, 
these days yeah. there's so many the more niche the better yeah and that's why this is my most successful of the four podcasts that have well of the of the three podcasts i've hosted or co-hosted yeah. this is the most successful <laughs> uh because it is about one exact band uh tell me the name of the podcast again uh, the hack inc pod so yeah it should be, uh, I think it's on SoundCloud. It's SoundCloud, soundcloud.com hack forward slash hacking. Yeah, I just subscribed on Apple. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's where on Apple, Spotify. Is there uh, an episode I should start with? I mean, they're not serialized, are they? Or? The first one is like the better one uh, because uh, the animation industry started in Ireland around the 1980s when Don Bluth came over uh-huh. and set up Sullivan and Bluth Studios and... Uh, they got kind of a, a huge grant from the Irish government to set up jobs. And it basically created this, you know, stream of people that required them to start up an animation college in Ballyfermot. And oh, then wow. he left in the late 90s and everybody was like, what the fuck do we do? And then uh, uh, what ended up happening was people started up their own studios. And now we have like a variety of studios, including uh, Cartoon Saloon, which people might know is uh, they've been nominated for uh oscars in the animated category every time they made a feature film so they're famous for the secret of cows song of the sea and uh breadwinners and i believe wolf walkers is coming out soon and uh, they all kind of have a very um uh except for breadwinner are all based in like ireland and tell irish stories about like fantasy and things like this so sorry you primarily work in uh digital yeah 2d digital right yeah okay yeah so, uh, have you ever worked in stop motion animation like like in this video? Um, well, yes, I have, and uh, I started uh, off working in stop motion animation just be as an interest because I loved like Wallace and Gromit and stuff. So, I used sure. to make like little cartoons in my own time with stop motion. But then when I went to college, uh, there was less of an emphasis on stop motion, and I kind of went towards digital stuff. But when I was out, I worked in a company called Paper Panther, which are based on Dorset Street. And they're also an amazing uh, in Dublin, where I'm also living. <laughs> so, um, uh. but they um, they specialize in kind of more off the beaten path type of uh, animation. So their most recent short was uh, the Bird and the Whale, which is a um, an animated oil on glass. So so they Whoa. literally did oil paint on glass. Um, so one of the things that they've worked on, and I, th- I believe it should be out soon enough, is, is a film called On Guard Dove, which is an Irish language horror short that's made uh, a black and white cutout animation. So, uh, you know, if we're saying you like niche things, then this is probably as niche as it gets. Um, Very nice. So I worked on that, not in animation, but in like prop, uh, making props and things like this. So I made nice. like a, a, a million pine trees out of uh, old paintbrushes and bits of cardboard. So wow. um, it's a That's very amazing. good film. So hopefully keep an eye out for it on the festival circuit. Hopefully it makes it over to America uh, in some way, shape or form. That That's amazing. I also want to put out one more thing about uh, Rob Shaw. Yeah. So he basically started out, he did one video before working with the Giants, a band called The Apparitions, who I do not know. Mm. God Monkey Robot is the name of the song. Okay. And that, that is very, that is very uh, uh, an appealing title to me. Oh, yeah. But then he did I'm Impressed and Computer Assisted Design. He did some stuff for a band called The Uncluded, who I don't know. Then he did Aesop Rock, who okay. I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware of and respect. I'm not a huge fan. But then yeah. he did two videos for At the Drive-In's reunion record, okay. which 
I love the old At the Drive and stuff. The reunion record was was decent. Um, familiar, but this I'm I'm looking at the visuals for the government governed by contagions video, mm. and holy shit, this is an amazing. It's called a lyric video, but like there's this animation all over it. You got to watch that. And then he also did Incurably Innocent, and it's holy shit. Like this guy is incredible animator. So the incurably innocent, and there are these very kind of monochromatic videos, like the uh, governed by contagions is all like grayscale, and then this one I'm looking at for the incurably innocent uh, is kind of these uh, tannish tones, black and kind of papery colored. But uh, we should definitely get into the cover section if we're if we're going to finish it in a half hour yeah no i have to finish off uh, uh but the one thing as you said that i just remembered that Leica also did an animated music video for the spine for uh, a crazy bastard wants to hit me or is it just called that bastard wants to hit me or whatever uh bastard wants to hit me yeah uh, yeah but that is a gorgeous music video and also like a connection so like connecting it back to uh um Coraline, of course as well so uh-huh. Yeah, so that was all I want to say about that with the animation. Yeah, there's um, and it's 2D digital and it looks well. I don't know if it's digital, but you know, I guess it was composited, so I might as well call it digital. Um, sure. But anyway, yeah. So that's that. Um, cool. You ready for covers? I am. Let's do it. This first one I'm going to send you, I'm going to go kind of, I usually don't rank the covers, but for in the interest of time, yeah. uh, in case we run out of time, I'm going to make sure I start with my favorite, which is uh, this band called Team Awesome, who uh, uploaded a cover both in 2011 and 2010 and 2011. The audio sounds better on this 2011 one, so that's what I'm going to send you. Okay. Um... I, I, well, I'll also send you the video to see because this is just audio. This this one. Okay. But you can see right from the right from the jump that it is two. They definitely look like they're in high school. Yeah. It's two girls, two girls on bass and guitar, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. and then a guy on drums who's definitely a high school drummer in that he has way too many cymbals and drums like <laughs> I did in high school. So these 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 kids who are kids in this video are now in their mid twenties. But uh, go ahead and listen to that. Uh, check it out. It's just this youthful energy that I love and is nostalgic for me. Check it out. Yeah, it's great. There's video of them playing it uh, a year before that. And, oh my God, we need to get 
more young women playing mm. guitar and just making loud noises because I think women in general in the in America and I think probably in the UK as well, just like our cultures kind of overlap in that. Um, obviously, we're always fighting for equality, and uh, you know, and I'm I'm a feminist, and I think that girls are told to be polite and quiet. That's incredible. And yeah. that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, just what you were saying about those bands, I got it. There's three ones I'd shout out then. It'd be Dear Nora is fantastic. And um, uh-huh. uh, obviously the Vivian girls, obviously people, most people probably, I don't know, maybe they don't, oh, but yeah. they're great. Um, and then um, the Head Coatees, who were, um, there was a band called the Head Coats, I believe. And then I don't know why, but but they made like a kind of an all-female cover band for themselves. And then that band ended up taking off in like other ways. And I think your one Holly, her name's like Holly Go Lightly. I could be wrong about that. And she um, she featured on a White Stripes album with that one. You know, it's uh, it, it's true that we love one another. Uh-huh. She's like the British lady who who performs opposite uh, Jack White. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the one another because that this is one of my passions. <laughs> so that's you chose the right cover. I'm I'm obsessed with like uh, girl punk bands or bands like that in general. But yeah. if you're looking yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. another UK one, then um, it's not necessarily. I think it's punk in spirit and definitely like by influence. But there's and it's but it's a very synth heavy, which is um, uh, Helen Love. Do you know Helen Love? They had one called, um, I think it was called Lo-Fi Kids, but that was a fucking killer album from like 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just say one more thing about Team Awesome. Do, yeah. I could, not, I could not find them on Facebook, and probably they're broken up because, yeah. I mean, this one is from, th- this one actually has the video to it, it's from 2012, um, and they were in high school, so they've all probably either gone to college or gotten jobs, and they're in their mid-20s and maybe moved apart. I don't know. Mm. I can't find out much of anything about them. The YouTube channel here is is Up Bandshell. Uh, the guy playing the drums, it's not exactly my style of drum kit, but the two girls fronting this band uh, have like th- like my ideal gear mm. and look and sound and just like the youthful energy of this. That That's my takeaway is that... This takes me back to high school, and I was in high school, you know, long before these three people were, but it just makes me nostalgic for that kind of just like rocking the fuck out on a song you yeah. love. You're you're not nailing it. It's a little sloppy, but the energy yeah. and the love for the original material is there to a degree that this this is my favorite cover I found of this song. Yeah, like I wish that I had that could relate in that way cuz all the bands around my area were either like really um like either in influenced by Slipknot or U2. So that was it. And I <laughs> I hated both. Ah. So it was an absolute torture to go to Battle of the Bands and see my friends like butchering like a fucking um, what's the Led Zeppelin song Yikes. or something? You know, it's like okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. My my band that was together for a decade, uh, Blue Bottle. Um, we we do have a posthumous band camp that's up now. Mm. We were a seven piece with trumpet and trombone, and I played drums, two guitars. Uh, we were not a ska band. We had maybe two ska songs in our early days because yeah. our guitarists were just too bored by ska guitar parts. They wanted to play punk stuff and like emo and indie rock style guitars. So uh, we. Um, 
I guess the point I was making there is that we, uh, well, we won our Battle of the Bands our senior year. Mm. We came in second our junior year before that. We lost to a ska band our junior year, um, but actually absorbed the trumpet player from that band, uh, joined our band, and he's actually the guy that was in that Gestalt band with me, mm. Brandon, who's going to be on an episode. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm making a playlist for him of trumpet-heavy They Might Be Giant songs for him to be on an episode yeah. uh, to talk about trumpet playing. Um, but... I love uh, high school battle of the bands are something that I would never want to go back to that era and battle battle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. battle of the bands for like adults is the dumbest shit ever, um, and I say that having been a runner up a second place winner of an adult battle of the bands, <laughs> but it was a bad experience because the award the reward we were supposed to get for uh, winning. Second place was studio time, and the studio never returned our messages. Really? And we never were able to claim our studio time. So fuck that. Yeah. Minus World ended up paying for our entire second EP ourselves, which is fine. It sounded great. Um, but Battle of the Bands is a high school thing and should stay in high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, fuck any place that puts on a Battle of the Bands because it's just like trying to suck in pathetic bands and make them play for free. Fuck any venue that does that. Mm. Um but uh, this band, Team Awesome, you guys rule, or yeah. you ruled, you're, pr- you're probably broken up, but I hope all three of you are still making music because I love the energy, and yeah. this was my favorite cover. So let's move on to the next one. I sent you a link, mm-hmm. and this is uh, Mike Hall, and Mike, spelled on, on YouTube, is M-Y-K-E, Mike Hall. He's only got three subscribers, people. But take a look. He's got this huge bass rig set up. He does a bass cover. And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, it's truly a bass cover. It's him, vocals, and then playing a very distorted bass. He goes clean in like the little bridges, just like the song does. But check check this thing out. Sure. And I find that my head's nodding yes, though my legs are not following. Inspired by events to remember the exits and back of me. I'm impressed, I'm impressed. When I go up, I was his best. Roll to bits, I confess, I admit, I'm impressed. He's kind of yelling it, snarling it a little bit, but he's he's playing the bass like a guitar, he's playing power chords up on the high strings on a bass so he's kind of covering this guitar bassish kind of range kind of uh, uh, just yeah he's doing the punk bass thing or like a dinosaur junior like Lou Barlow thing just playing chords all the time oh that's good uh, yeah. to really fill it out and he's got the just like there's three amps in the room and then there's a PA like he's in this like very blank looking room but there's a shitload of gear in it and he's also got a microphone up to one of the PA speakers, which I'm not sure. Usually, you don't want to put a mic up to a speaker. You get feedback and yeah. not good feedback. But what he might be doing is what you'd call re-miking. Um, and there's a band called No Age who uh, uh, are still together, an L.A. band. Um, they didn't invent this technique, but they do a thing where you basically record the track make it sound pretty as you want, but then you play the track through a PA system or through an amplifier and then mic that 
And then that's the version that goes on the album. So basically, the way that a song would sound blasted through a venue's PA system, you record that, and you basically intentionally ruin your mix by re-recording your good mix blasted through a PA. So I don't know if he's doing that. But good job, Mike Hall. Yeah, it's uh, great. I, 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 I like it. Like, there's not enough bass covers out there. As it wore on, I was kind of like... Oh, actually, no, I'm getting into this now. Totally. But it took me a while because, like, I was like, I was just initially distracted because I wasn't mad on the vocals. But sure. Looking at it when you were saying about, like, um, yeah, like imagining it like a punk snarl type thing, I was like, yep. okay, let's give this another whack. And then once I did, I was like, okay, no, this sound is pretty good. He's feeling the vibe and he's taking it a step further. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Now, you ready for Astral B, the oh, most yeah. uh, played cover artist on the podcast? He's amazing. Like, that guy does some good, good, really good covers. So, I actually thought for a split second, I'm like, maybe I won't play his cover. He's on it all the time. But listen to the way he plays it. I'm like, okay, I've got to play this. He takes it in a whole different direction. Check it out. great oh, i love it yeah right off the bat you're like okay this is something different because at first i was like oh he's just gonna do a gentle intro and then like pound into it because and he admitted on his uh someone keeps moving my chair episode that his go-to is to just like play the songs faster and pound them out and he's a really good pretty much self-taught pianist but this he makes it into this pretty like he arpeggiates the chords and slows it down so it's yeah, the yeah. opposite of what he usually does so this was uh uploaded over a decade ago mm. may 2009 astral b people should find him on youtube i'm sure if they've listened to the pod they already have gone and looked at his stuff because he is all over the podcast great job daryl i love he kind of he reminds me of uh it kind of reminds me of like mad world you know that cover i mean not like not as not as kind of cheesy as that necessarily. It's a good song, but like it's it's cheesy. Right. But like um, he's kind of doing that same thing with it, where it's like, yeah, it's very different, and um, I love it. I think it's amazing. Now I headed over to Bandcamp. Uh, uh, no uh, episode on the else would be complete without Spooky Girls. Now Spooky Girls are uh, a band from Maine who did an entire they covered the entire album the else mm. and you'll see on the link i sent you they recreated the art even by standing there with uh, paper bags on their heads oh, that cool. have the little bird the little bird face so it's their own little like uh, uh recreation of the art which is great and they do every song and it's real just like a real loving album in that you could tell they didn't spend uh, well, they obviously spent a lot of time learning these songs and recording them, but there's a lo-fi uh, kind of off-the-cuff element to it. So go ahead and listen to uh, Spooky Curls. I'm impressed, I'm impressed. 
past Fuck bits, I confess, I admit, I'm impressed When the torpedo in the vest Barks his orders, I'm impressed And I find that my head's nodding yes Though my legs are not following I'm inspired by events To remember the exits in back of me I love the laser sounds around 27 seconds. Yeah, same. It's such a cheerier sounding um, song as well when they're singing it. You know? Yeah, it sounds a little happier, but they keep like the distorted drum machine. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep the halftime beat going because it starts with that boom, boom, but the original boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, bop. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as the vocals kick in, I'm impressed. You know, it picks up. Yeah, yeah. They keep the halftime beat kind of going, and it's a little synthier. There's a lot of folky versions of songs on here. Mm. If you haven't listened to the, was it Take Out the Trash or was it, because the Mesopotamians, that episode hasn't come out yet, but I play them on there, With the Dark. Oh, it. No, no, not with the dark. Careful what you pack. They did like a crazy like banjo folky cover okay. of, of "Careful What You Pack," which is is it was nothing like the original except for the chords and 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 lyrics and vocal melody because it it's just like total stylistic left turn from the original and and these guys are great. Mm. Spooky girls. It's two guys. There's no girls in the band, <laughs> but um, maybe they're scared of girls. I don't know. But uh, so. Um, Okay, so moving on. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Where are we? Um, let's do an eight-bit cover. Okay. So this is Cladalus. I don't know the the YouTube user C L A E D A L U S. Yeah, it's pretty successful. I don't know how I feel about eight bit covers in general, though. Oh, really? You don't dig that 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 genre? Yeah, I like the little bend on the. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Like that line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the drum machine almost, they put like a little shuffle to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it right now. Yeah, there's this little subdivision that shows it's got like a shuffle eighth note, which is like not something I expected to work. Certainly as heavy as the drums from the orig- the album version anyway, or in the same kind of vein, you know? Uh-huh. Um, let's see, if I was going to pick one more... I'm going to do this one because it also has animation to it, which you will appreciate. Stop motion uh, using like toy figurines. Um, So check that out. You'll want to be looking as well as listening to, uh, let me credit this person, Matt Brown on YouTube. I'm impressed. Uh, They Might Be Giants covered by Matt Brown. The video was made for my theme music group on Facebook, wherein I choose a weekly theme and various musicians of all stripes play cover or original songs based on the criteria I outline. This song was recorded for the theme for openers in which group members played opening tracks from studio albums. This cover was played with all admiration and due respect to They Might Be Giants. Uh, the video is made purely for fun and has no commercial purpose or intent. So go ahead and check out Matt Brown's uh, cover and the video. I'm impressed, I'm impressed by that guy 
yeah, it's pretty familiar. It's kind of you know, I think I think he's good. I just uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if there's much deviation from the other the original. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's that's why I was debating. I was having trouble figuring out which. Um, yeah, we got time for one more cover, but this one, sonically, I think it stays maybe a little too true to the original. Mm. Um, but it's a very good, yeah, like straight up interpretation of the track. But I thought you'd like like the toys oh, kind yeah. of walking around and finding the other toys uh, in this kind of uh, kind of chunky stop motion style. Yeah. Like you could tell, like he he didn't want to spend like a fucking year on it, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, to make it. So let me send you one more. Now this one, I was initially. Not impressed. Mm. <laughs> no, I ended up liking it. When I first hit play on this one, though, it's like a guy just kind of sitting on the stage, and there's one girl just kind of checking him out, like these two young people. Uh, and it looked kind of like, oh, this is just going to be a toss-off. Like, the video, like, tilts and is very disorienting, and I'm just like, this is some guy just fucking around. But go ahead and listen. It's Agronica music is the youtube agronica i'm impressed they might be giants cover and it looks like it's just some guy like oh he's just tossed it off open mic night style you can it reveals at the end there's there's probably more people there you can hear them clapping off camera but his style i mean it's an acoustic guitar and vocal but he takes it in a cool kind of folky style i'm impressed i'm impressed oh i like it his picking style really takes it in a different direction Nice little duet as well, or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I appreciate that he's not playing power chords. I think that's a key mm. to it sounding different, is that he's actually playing a D minor chord to start instead of like a D5 power chord, um, which gives it that folky feel. He's using open chords, open chords, traditional chords for the most part, you know, a G major, a D minor, but that's what gives it that folky feel. Like if you're in a folk band, you're not going to play power chords or even really play bar chords all that much, except when necessary. You're you're going to stick to like those tried and true, you know, three finger D chord, you know, that, you know, stick to those chords. And that's, it gives it a really good feel. And I like, he just looks really happy playing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And at, fir- at, at first I was like, oh, this is some guy just like, whatever, I'm going to play this song. I haven't practiced it. But then he starts playing it and you're like, oh. This dude knows what he's doing. This sounds good. He's doing something different, and he's kind of very confident in it, too, is the other thing. But it just feels yeah, like... He yeah, he keeps smiling. I'm wondering if it's his girlfriend sitting up there, because he keeps like looking up and smiling at her, like, hey, look, <laughs> I'm singing this for you, babe. And it's very adorable. And so this... Yeah, this, it sounds yeah. Like it's very intimate, the whole setting as well. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's surprising how it suits an acoustic guitar as well, when you can kind of play it in a bit more of a... Less of a thudding way, and more of a kind of playful you know just strumming away at it yeah and and sitting on the stage instead of standing on it gives it this kind of low-key vibe that for some reason really fits the song and takes it in a different direction whereas the song is pretty serious and in your face um he kind of like lightens it up a little bit but while still keeping like the what's good about the song intact yeah yeah 
Oh, it's so sweet when it just ends and he's looking really looking bashful. That's adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. Okay, so let's uh yeah. Yeah, let's uh that's a good amount of covers. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, sure. And we got nine minutes before I record the miscellaneous trans episode. Holy god, how are you doing this? I'm so hungry. Back to back pardon without any stretches in between. Dude, and this was a great conversation. It's been a pleasure. I loved it. You're the first guest I've had on from Ireland hmm. and uh talking I've had a lot of UK guests in that I've mostly people in England. Hmm. All people, all people in England so far. Um, so having a UK guest uh, that's uh, from Ireland is uh, again UK is different to Ireland. <laughs> sorry, I you know it's it's confusing. They don't teach us geography anymore, for for real. And and the US, I won't. This is a whole other topic that would make me late for the next podcast. But as a teacher, <laughs> a music teacher, we are not in America building well-rounded kids anymore. <laughs> we don't teach them much science. We don't teach them history, yeah, geography. Yeah. It is like. Let's learn how to read real good, which is obviously important for any subject, but let's just read and do math. Mm. It's unbelievable how narrow our focus is, and it's all because of testing and data and Republicans. Bloody Betsy. At it again. Where's our Renaissance men and Renaissance women? You should learn to be good at a lot of things, and the arts are very important. Thank God we haven't, like, at least, like... I haven't been let go in the music department <laughs> cut. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. God they still have they still have art class and uh, and uh, music class and PE class. So those are all very important. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, go ahead and plug uh, plug your podcast one more time in case people forgot they could go listen to an episode right after listening to this. The Hack Inc. Pods, and if you want to start off with an episode, um, I believe it's called the the whole Bluth and nothing but the Bluth. Oh, and if you or if you want to listen to Irish people watch The Simpsons, where we watch the episode where they come to Ireland and talk about the the shows, uh, let's say a little bit fall from grace. But anyway, yeah. And then your animation <laughs> studio is there a YouTube channel for your uh, animation work? We're getting getting one going at the moment because um, we're okay. trying to we're going to finally put up some stuff. We've only been like we're literally very young, literally the past few weeks maybe so the studio is uh, my aunt sally and you can find us on myantsally.com to check out our um show reel and soon there will be uh, videos galore um combat action team short is going to be released soon enough i believe yeah yeah no that's that's awesome and thanks again for being on i mean getting i i want more international guests i've only covered three continents north america <laughs> europe and australia where are my penguin guests? I need yeah, penguins yeah, yeah. on from Antarctica. No, that that would be a huge get if there was some like sci some scientist in Antarctica who likes they might be giants because scientists, you know, they gotta appreciate their nerdery. And here comes science. Yeah, I know for I, I know a person who is in Antarctica. Well, they were in Antarctica. What? So yeah. Oh wow. I should I'll message him see what the deal is. <laughs> well, I was talking to someone in Japan who uh, had posted on miscellaneous tea and they're like mm. my english isn't good enough i'm like come on please 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 <laughs> um but i just recorded an episode with noah daniel who is german uh and uh he's in munster right now uh unless i'm forgetting um but he was about to take an english uh proficiency exam and he's like this will be perfect practice for me to talk at length <laughs> about something and maybe use some vocabulary words i don't always use yeah, yeah uh, sure. to practice my english which is amazing so i need asian guests I need South American guests. 
I need African guests and, mm. if possible, Antarctica guests. So, uh, uh, so thanks again, man. You brought a new perspective uh, from where you're at in the politics there. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And the animation element, being an animator, is amazing. So uh, I'm going to go shove, like, uh, I don't know, a candy bar in my face and then do another probably two-hour episode sure. with the, this lovely crew of trans folks. So, um, yeah. Thanks again, Gareth. Gareth Lyons. And do we rate the song? Is that a thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm in such a rush. What do you score it, dude? Um, out of their whole catalog altogether, you think? or was Yes. Think about what song would be a 10 for you and then where this uh, stacks up to that. Probably about a seven or an eight, I give it, against the whole catalog. No, you got to pick a you gotta pick a number. You cannot say seven or eight. Okay, right. I'll give it an eight then because I do really like it. Um, but um, as far as why I really like the band, I think like a perfect 10 for me is Birdhouse in Your Soul. Regardless of how many times I hear it, I think it's like the most perfect song ever written. There you go. Um, yep. And... Yeah. So for the themes, for the instrumentation, for um, yeah, just the heaviness of it, I'm just going to give it an eight out of ten. I'm going to give this a seven point five. I love the else. I would not say this is my favorite song, but as a whole, I love the whole album. This is the perfect opener for it. Oh yeah, you completely. Would, you would not want to start this album with the Mesopotamians. Now the Mesopotamians. That's a palate um, cleanser. <laughs> Right. That episode will have come out by now, but I yeah. gave that a nine a nine point eight because okay. I cannot get enough of that song. It is one of Linnell's catchiest melodies. Um but it's not it doesn't encapsulate the album as a whole mm-hmm. really much much at all. While I'm impressed does. Yeah. I'm giving it a seven point five, very solid song. Um I always go lower than my guests, so it's normal. <laughs> um but seven point five is very high for me. Um, coming off uh, directly before this, there was a 5.2 for OE and a 6.9 for Whole Lot of Glean. So oh 7.5 uh, out of all the European guests, you picked my favorite of the three, but they picked really weird ones kind of on purpose. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right. I got two minutes before I call this crew. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll let you go. So <laughs> thanks for spending so much time, man. You spent like it's dark out now where you're yeah. at. I could tell the sun has started going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I really, I really, like I said, I was really looking forward to it. I don't get a chance to talk about this band at all. And I have so much useless information about them knocking around my head. And so uh, great to talk about a great song. And yeah, I love the podcast as well. So keep it up. Thanks so much. All right. I will talk to you later. Thanks for listening to This Might Be a Podcast. You can email me at thismightbeapod at gmail. Leave me voicemails. 224-801-2930. We're on Twitter, This Might Be a Pod. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, This Might Be a Podcast.com, This Might Be a Podcast.bandcamp.com, where you can download that theme for free. So you can listen to it, you know, even more than you already do with front of the episodes. Thanks to John Walker for editing this episode. You can listen to his podcasts on the FYIZ network. Search FYIZ on all the podcast places find me on patreon patreon.com slash this might be a podcast get those t-shirts get those extra episodes got a lot of patreon episodes coming this summer an accordion focused episode with a bunch of accordion players for pride month gay might be giants featuring a crew of gay and bi folks talking about some they might be giant songs that are special to them so uh, uh and another monopuff episode is coming so check those out 
patreon.com slash this might be a podcast thanks for listening see you next time